arrested in Montreal and Toronto on Monday. Police said the men weren't Canadian citizens and had been supported by al-Qaeda in Iran. James Malizia from the Royal Canadian Mounted Police said the threat had not been imminent. I want to reassure our citizens that while the RCMP believed the accused had the capacity and intent to carry out these criminal acts, there was no imminent threat to the general public, rail employees, train passengers or infrastructure. A woman's been robbed at knife point by three teenagers in Houghton Regis. Police are appealing for witnesses to the incident, which happened in the alleyway between Hilborough Crescent and Edywick Avenue. All three offenders were white and in their late teens. One had a scar on his cheek and spoke with an Irish accent. A waste company has signed up to be the operator of a new incinerator in Buckinghamshire. FCC Environment will build and operate the energy from waste plant near Calvert, which would power 36,000 homes. Paul Scoynes has the details. The facility was agreed last year at a controversial planning meeting spanning two days. Buckinghamshire County Council says the facility will save the county £150 million over the life of the contract and that any delay to the construction costs the council around £1 million a month in landfill taxes. However, any work on the facility won't begin until the result of a judicial review into the project is published, following protesters' concerns about the impact of the plant on the environment. The St Albans family claims to have been forced to barricade itself into one room as its home is overrun by rats. The Silverman family are calling for the district council to do more to help them after their first attempt at exterminating the pests failed. In sport, Manchester United are champions of England for the 20th time after they beat Aston Villa 3-0 at Old Trafford to regain the title with four games to spare. The weather dry with sunny spells and a top temperature of 18 degrees Celsius, that's 64 Fahrenheit. There's more news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties, BBC Three Counties Radio. First for news. Happy St George's Day, Catherine Boyle. Well, happy St George's Day to you. And what will you be doing to celebrate the SGD? I've been doing a bit of moaning about the weather and queuing up. Fantastic. Very English. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. It is St George's Day. One quick question. Yes or no answer? Are you bothered by it? We always hear every year, and there'll be some people today going, oh, we don't get enough done for St George. We have St Paddy's Day, we don't get enough done for St George's Day. I only knew it was St George's Day, what, two and a half minutes ago. Are you bothered by St George's Day? Are you doing anything to celebrate? Or do you think, oh, for goodness sakes, come on. It's just a Tuesday. 08459 455 555. Other bits and pieces on the show this morning include... A Bedfordshire mum is angry that her son, who has autism, will have to receive care two hours away because she says there's nowhere in Luton for him to go. We'll hear her story and find out why she's not the only one going through this. And you remember a few weeks ago, this is brilliant, we told you that almost 300 people had been fined for driving through a bus lane in Bedfordshire that's only 33 foot long. That was a month ago. Well, guess what? Loads more have been caught. And I mean, loads more have been caught. Do you think they're just stupid? Or is the council using it as a cash cow? And we'll hear why a rat problem has got so bad for a St Albans family that they barricade themselves in their bedroom. Terrible story. Lots of ways to get in touch. We'll put a picture of the uh, the bus lane up on the Facebook page if you want. Facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. You can send me an email, ian.lee at bbc.co.uk. Or you can give me a call, 08459 455 555. BBC. 
A Bedfordshire autism charity says Luton Borough Council are not providing adequate services for children and young adults with autism. Chair of Autism Bedfordshire, Lainey Miller, says her 16-year-old son, Tony, who is on the severe end of the autistic spectrum, will have to uh, travel over two hours, live over two hours away because there isn't anywhere nearby that meets his needs. She says other families in the area are also suffering from the same problem and are having to home their children in places as far away as Devon and Norfolk. Well, we can speak now to Tom Purser, who is the Policy and Participation Officer for the National Autistic Society for Central England, which covers Bedfordshire. Morning, Tom. Morning. Tom, some people with autism are able to live relatively independent lives, but others uh, might have learning disabilities and need a lifetime of specialist support. How does the spectrum work? What are, the, I guess, the kind of two extremes? Well, <clears throat> we, we like to think of it more as a continuum where um, someone's everyone's somewhere on the spectrum and what that really means is that everyone um, with autism they can have very different needs they can have uh, very different care requirements and they may have uh, an IQ in the in the average to above average range or they may have um, a an associated learning disability but what it really means is that um, that the support that every person with autism needs needs to be adapted appropriately for them. So um, that's why it's really important that there are the services available to do that. And with cases uh, like Tony, for example, their, their autism can be so severe that it's it's better if they live elsewhere. It can be the case that, um, that some people with autism can live relatively everyday lives, but others will require that lifetime of really specialist support. And sometimes that support can only be provided in a residential setting. Um, and so that means people who are specially trained and, uh, and actually able to provide that round-the-clock support um, is what that person might need. How does the care that's required change as the children get older? Well, uh, that very much depends on the, the child's individual needs, but actually what a lot of parents tell us is that when they go from being children to adults, there can often be a real, uh, uh, they describe it a bit like falling off a cliff edge, because um, it can be the case that throughout childhood there can be some quite good support, um, especially if it's through specialist schooling or, or things like that, but actually when they reach that adult stage, uh, there can often be, for parents, uh, the experience of suddenly finding there's nothing there for them. So there should be, local authorities should be um, making plans for these these children. They have a they have a duty to be doing it. But actually, too few um, even today are doing it. Only just over half of um, teenagers who have a statement of special educational need and have autism actually receive that plan. So parents finding it very difficult when their children go from being children to uh, to the adult world. Now, Lady Miller, who we'll be speaking to later on, says that, that um, there's nowhere in Luton uh, to, to help her with, um, with her son, Tony, and she, the nearest place is two hours away. Is that common, Tom? Are, are there a lack of uh, support facilities? Um, well, I can't really comment on, on Luton specifically, because um, I don't really know the detail of the picture there, but... Uh, I mean, we do hear a range of experiences from um, from local people. Some have very uh, positive experiences of accessing support, and that can be in their local area. Um, others, sadly, are not so good, and we do hear of, um, of 
families having to look a very long way away from where they live to get that specialist support because what parents want to see is that support that, uh, that really works for their children, that meets their needs, delivered by staff that really understand them. And sadly, sometimes that isn't available where they live. Um, we would like to see more of that happening and people being able to access the support locally. And how hard must it be for a parent to um, have a, a child that, uh, that has such severe autism that they have to send them away to live somewhere else? That must be awful. It must be a huge decision to, to make. Absolutely, absolutely. And I, I don't think it's ever an easy decision um, for a, a parent to be looking at residential care as an option. But the, the fact remains that some, um, some children and some adults with autism um, need that round-the-clock, 24-hour support delivered by those who've got the experience, who've got the training, and really, really understand them. And sometimes when, when parents have got, uh, got their whole lives to live, they can't, literally, physically can't be doing 24-hour support. And as you say, some, when the behaviour is as severe as that, it can be very, very challenging, very difficult for parents to make that decision and to be having to look at, at residential care. But like I say, what parents want is, is that proper specialist support for their children, delivered by people that really understand autism, really understand their children, and sometimes they, they do accept that that's going to be the best place for them. Tom Purser from the National Autistic Society for Central England, thank you very much. Luton Borough Council say they're not able to discuss individual cases such as this one, but they did say Luton has a range of service provision for disabled children, both in terms of residential services and services to support young people in the home. Those whose needs are highly specialist and cannot be met locally may be placed further afield in consultation with their parents and other professionals. 08459 four double five five double five
Three Counties Radio, 08459 455 555. Are you bothered by the fact it's St George's Day today? Does it excite you in the slightest? Will you be flying your flag proudly? Or you sing, oh, for goodness sakes, come on. It's nothing. It's a load, Of course we ignore it because it's a load of old nonsense. 08459 455 555. 615, Travel News Now, Alan Cowie. and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning, looking uh, good on the road so, so far with uh, no accidents or problems to reports. Just a reminder that the M25 is down to 50 through the roadworks between Junction 23, which is South Mims, and Junction 25, the A10. Roadworks on the A41 at Kingswood, just near to Grendon Road, and there's work going on in St Albans on uh, Hemel Hempstead Road at the junction with St Michael Street. On the trains, we've got no major problems. Alan Cowie, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Alan. Right, it's nearly 6.16. It's Tuesday, the 23rd of April. I'm Ian Lee, and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. A charity is accusing Luton Borough Council of failing to provide adequate services for young people with autism. A woman has been robbed at knife point by three teenagers in Houghton Regis. In sport, Manchester United are champions of England for the 20th time. They beat Aston Villa 3-0 to regain the title with four games to spare. The weather today for beds, hearts and bucks dry with sunny spells and a top temperature of 18 degrees. Coming up before seven, we'll hear why a rat problem has got so bad for a St Albans family that they've barricaded themselves in their bedroom. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Next month, voters in Buckinghamshire go to the polls to elect their county councils. And BBC Three Counties Radio is holding a series of debates with the leaders of the parties hoping to get your vote. We'll discuss the key issues affecting residents and get answers from the leaders. And we want you to be involved. On Thursday, join Roberto Peroni in Aylesbury at the St Mary the Virgin Church for a question time debate all about Buckinghamshire. For more information, visit our Facebook page, facebook.com slash bbc3cr. Come along, have your say and question the leaders. Or listen live from three. Roberto Peroni, weekdays from three on BBC Three Counties Radio.
I went and saw Emily Sanday uh, in concert a couple of weeks ago, and I did something I think I've only done once. We left early to avoid the rush. I know, so I missed her singing that song. The only song of hers I know, I missed it. My wife's like, should we go? This is a Christmas present I bought you. It's going to get a bit busy. So we went. The only other time I've walked out of a concert was the Beach Boys, because they were flipping awful. This wasn't when Brian Wilson was with them. This was, was another date when he wasn't there, and I, I, they were murdering good vibrations, and I said, I, I can't do this. It's killing me inside. Let's go. Now, a family from St Albans who've had to barricade themselves into their bedroom after rats overran their home say they feel let down by the district council. Pregnant Laura Jane Silverman, her husband Alessio and their two-year-old daughter Phoebe moved into their new home in Honey, uh, sorry, Holywell Hill last July. Since then, they've spent all their savings trying to get rid of the rats that they didn't know were there. Our reporter Sophie Solaria has been down to visit Laura Jane and her husband at their home in St Albans. We moved in um, last year and then a few weeks later we went on holiday and came back and the whole place was just infested, so there were droppings everywhere in Phoebe's cot. Basically made themselves at home while while we'd been away. So when we first moved in, all of this was carpeted. It looked really nice, actually. It was all um, in quite good order. Um, but because the, the rats had gone underneath the floors, they'd basically just destroyed the fabric. There were holes everywhere, even in the brickwork. Um, and actually, having spoken to the council and got um, a report done, um, we found out that the rats had actually been there for up to 14 years. So you can imagine the damage that they'd done. So basically we had to rip out all of the carpeting and pull up the floorboards. And and we got a builder in and a pest control um, guy just to reseal all around the the flooring. Here's here's some some holes in your tiling. You've got some gaps there as well and that's just from the rats. Yes, um, with rats you have to get to the root of it and understand where they're coming from. And uh, although we've done substantial refurbishment, uh, we've been chasing the source for, uh, for, for for months now. Where are they now, may I ask? At the moment, they're in, um, in the ceiling, so here of, in the kitchen. Of the kitchen, yeah. One evening, my parents were babysitting, and smoke started coming through the um, one of the lights in the kitchen. They started going through all the wiring, so now there's no electricity in the, in the kitchen here, so we can't use lighting. And actually, the pest control guy that came over a few weeks ago said we were this far away from actually having a fire. So we've stopped using it. I mean, as you can see, and as you said, there's a whole load of work to be done, but we've been recommended not to do anything until we find the source of where they're coming from. And they are just above us here in this in the yeah. ceiling? Yes. Probably between the ceiling and the roof. We're all upstairs in the one bedroom at the moment. We're stuck in that bedroom. It's the only place where we don't think they can get. Well, you say you barricade yourselves in the bedroom. Let's go upstairs and see where you hide. The room. <laughs> this is the room that you all live in. Yeah. It's quite a small room, nice size for two, but with two plus, plus a pregnant lady and a little baby in the corner cot. It seems a little bit small for you all, and I guess Phoebe wants her own room back, does she? Yeah, and we'd like her to have her own room as well at this point. She's two, and as did the other ones coming soon. Um, so we just want to get back to normality, really. How do you barricade yourselves in? Well, I basically shut that door, yeah. and then I usually get Alessio to put a load of towels. <laughs> or his dressing gown along the bottom. It's more because it's an old house. Every single creak or um, noise, you think they're back again and you just can't relax. So it's had an emotional effect on you. Mm. 
Yeah. So the the news went out in the local papers, and we've had so many notes and phone calls and emails, and um, from people who've been in exactly oh. the same situation. It's been amazing because we thought it was just us because the neighbours um, haven't had it at all. But actually, it makes you realise the amount of people that got in touch after us that it is a real problem. What about the council? What have they done for you? Yeah, the council basically provide the minimal support, which is which is fine. I think knowing that there's so many people with this problem in St Albans, I think it's probably reasonable to expect them to maybe look into working out what, where the problem's coming from and what they can do about it on a, on a greater scale. Um, essentially, it's our house, so we're responsible for it. But it would have been nice to know at the beginning how much they do. And basically, it's a short-term solution, so they put down poison. Um, but as soon as that's gone, they just come back again. It's not, it's not a solution at all. Oh, dear. Well, we did invite St Albans City and District Council onto the programme. They declined. But Mike Lovelady, Head of Legal, Democratic and Regulatory Services, sent us this statement. He said, We are aware of the situation in this case and we are working with our contractors to help deal with this issue. Our contractors have undertaken treatment at this property on several occasions and we visited the property to try and establish the underlying cause of the re-infestation. We will continue to investigate and are planning to visit the property again shortly. Oh, it's horrible, isn't it? I hate In this sturdy old part of the city Where the sun refused to shine People tell me there ain't no use in trying Now my girl, you're so young and pretty one thing I know is true You'll be dead before your time is due I know Watch my daddy in bed and tired Watch his habit turn crazy He's been working and slaving his life away Oh yes, I know
morning, Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Let's get the latest travel news now. Here's Alan Cowie. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Uh, good morning. It's uh, still quiet on the roads with uh, no accidents or problems reported. The motorways uh, should be clear for you right now. Roadworks at Fenny Stratford on the A5 at the Little Chef Roundabout. Also work going on in uh, St Albans on Hemel Hempstead Road at St Michael Street. And M25, it's down to 50 through the roadworks between Junction 23, South Mims and Junction 25, which is the A10 narrow lanes as well. well keep an eye on that. It does generally get quite busy during the rush hour. We've got uh, no problems reported on the trains. Alan Cowie, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Alan. Coming up to 6.30. Time for the news and sport now. Here's Catherine. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. The headlines are charities accusing Luton Borough Council of failing to provide adequate services for young people with autism. The surviving suspect in the Boston bombings has been charged with possessing a weapon of mass destruction. And police are looking for three teenagers who robbed a woman at knife point in Houghton Regis on Friday afternoon. Beds, Hearts and Bucks Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Manchester United are champions of England for the 20th time. We've had the two minutes of added time. Referee Taylor's looked at his watch. A second glance blows his whistle. And Manchester United, for the 20th time overall, are deserved champions of England. Congratulations to them. United beat Aston Villa 3-0 at Old Trafford to regain the title with four games to spare. The Football Association have charged Liverpool striker Luis Suarez with violent conduct after the biting incident with Chelsea's Branislav Ivanovic. It wasn't seen by the match officials, so it's been retrospectively reviewed. The Uruguayan has until 6pm tonight to respond to the charge and a decision on the length of his ban and fine will be made tomorrow. Suarez has accepted a fine imposed by Liverpool for what they called unacceptable behaviour. Mark Clattenberg will referee Chelsea's game against Swansea at Stamford Bridge on Sunday. It'll be the first time he's refereed a Chelsea game since being cleared of using racist language towards John Obi Mikel. In League Two, Wickham Wanderers boss Gareth Ainsworth has spoken of his delight at signing a new two-year deal yesterday. Ainsworth has lifted the chairboys from the bottom to mid-table after becoming permanent manager this season and he says now he's ready to take the next step. I don't want it to be a flash in the pan. I don't want it to be the just the passion and desire and the whirlwind effect that I had. I want actually to be known as a, as a manager who's tactically aware, who can think about things, who can make a difference and, and when it comes to it, you know, get the point. Two local teams trying to make the Southern Premier playoffs are in action tonight. Hemel Hempstead, who are fourth, are at leaders Leamington and Arlesey are in seventh and they're at Bedworth United. And that's your latest news and sport. More from me at seven o'clock. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning. Lots coming up between now and seven, including... Do you remember that uh, we told you almost 300 people have been fined for driving through a bus lane in Bedfordshire? It's tiny, it's 33 foot long. Well, that was a month ago. And guess what? Loads more. I mean, literally hundreds more people have been caught. Go to the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Have a look at the bus lane. We've printed this picture before. Are these people just idiots for doing this? Or is this the council being a little bit sneaky and making a few quid? Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. And it's St George's Day. Did you know? I didn't until um, five minutes to six. Are you doing anything to celebrate? 
The Prime Minister has hailed the growing popularity of the celebration of England's patron, patron saint. Are you bothered by it in the slightest, or do you think, oh, for goodness sakes, I've got far better things to, to be interested in? 08459 Coming up after me at nine o'clock, it's the JVS show from 11. Jonathan tackles your consumer problems and today it's the case of Andrea. Her fence fell down a few months ago, but no one seems to know whose responsibility it is. Can Jonathan get to the bottom of it? Yeah, probably. He's good at things like that. That's uh, from Jonathan Vernon-Smith from nine o'clock. But coming up after the Genesis, we're going to speak to Justin Dealey about this bus lane. Some people are just so stupid, aren't they?
Right, bored of that now. Morning, I was. It was going on a bit. We, we had plenty of it. It was four minutes of it. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. The reason, the reason I'm dashing forward is because I want to uh, wish a colleague of mine happy St George's Day, Justin D. Lee. <laughs> Thank you, Ian. Thank you very much. I was quite enjoying Genesis. No. Well, yeah. there's, there's another 12 oh. seconds. There we go. You can have that. Oh, taking off the album, Invisible Touch. Oh, oh the 1980s. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> uh, happy St George's Day to you, my friend. And to yourself. And uh, to yourself. Uh, th- now, uh, but before, we'll talk about St George's Day a little bit later on. Like, this is this story uh, that I think is wonderful, and I, I'm not quite sure what I make of it. This is the bus lane that we talked about last month. Yeah. Bus lane in Wixom's in Bedfordshire, only 33 foot long. If you drive down it, what's the fine, Justin? Uh, the fine is 50 pounds. 50 quid. The first two weeks, the cameras went up. Just under 300 people were caught. Well, you're down there now this morning, Justin, aren't you? There's been a development. Yeah, there has been a development. I mean, incredibly, when we spoke about this a few weeks ago, we did lots of features on this. The local newspapers did features on it. And also the Daily Mail did a two-page spread on this as well. So you would think the message would be out there. So in the first two weeks, 300 people were fined. Since then, and we're talking four weeks on here, a further 655 motorists have been fined using this bus lane. Now, some people may say, well, some bus lanes, not that obvious. Mm. I'm just going to be completely honest this morning. It's the most obvious bus lane I have ever seen in my life. It may be small, it may be 33 foot, but the signs are there. Describe what you can see, Justin. Well, the, the, the signs are there at the side of the road, which clearly say bus lane cameras. Yep. And then on the road itself, it's marked red, and you'll see in white writing, it says bus lane. Okay, Seriously, so it says bus it's lane. the most obvious bus lane I have ever seen. Let me just direct keep the, on getting caught. Let me just direct the listener to facebook.com forward slash bbc3cr. We have a picture there. In case you think Justin is over-egging this pudding, go and have a look. It, it is obviously hmm. a bus lane. There's, there's no two ways about it. Yep, it's on the Wixom's estate near Wilstead. So what's happening is people need to drive on the A6 to avoid this bus lane. And again, when we spoke about it four weeks ago, some people said the diversion route was unfair. I did that myself. It took me just over a minute. The diversion route is the difference between one roundabout to the next roundabout, and that's about it, Ian. Mm. You you were there helping people last time, weren't you? You, yes. were, you were saving people money. I, I was stood in the middle of the road <laughs> and... <laughs> I hope you filled out a health and safety form. (laughs) Yes, I did. I was wearing a fluorescent jacket. Good. And I was stopping motorists to advise them about this bus lane camera, which had just been activated. So it was uh, an interesting morning, and this is what happened when I spoke to those motorists. Caroline, I've just jumped out into the middle of the road. I've risked my life. I've saved you a few quid. You're about to go through that bus lane camera. You've seen the signs now. How could you have missed it? Well, I think really I just follow other people. Other people come down here and um, I just do what they do, really. I mean, looking at the signs, it says bus only as well. Do you, looking at that, and I'm not trying to make you feel stupid here, but looking at that now, do you almost feel a bit silly because you very nearly went through it and you would have gone through it had I not stopped you? Well, yes. uh, Yeah, I do. Because um, obviously they're there and you can see them. But um, I suppose, as I say, it's just something I do because other people do it. And, uh, you know, I've done it for quite a long time, really. Mm. Well, 300 people have been fined in the last two weeks, so that won't surprise you. Now I've saved you that fine slash penalty. When are you going to take me out for a drink? (laughs) Oh, I don't know about that. (laughs) Oh, thank you. I won't stop you again. Thank you very much. (laughs) Thank you for your help. Thank you for saving me some money. Now, Adam, earlier you drove through the bus lane cameras. I tried to stop you, but we were live on air at the time. I mean, looking at that now, it says bus only there, and it also says bus lane cameras. Are you looking at that thinking, how did I miss it? Yeah, I am actually. Where are the cameras then? 
the camera is just there. You can see the camera just oh, there okay. to our right-hand side, but it clearly says bus only. That's marked clearly on the road, and it says bus lane cameras. As somebody who does quite a bit of driving for a living, how could you miss it? Uh, I don't know, honestly. I wasn't really looking at it. I was just coming down the lane by the way the sat-nav bought me, so... I'll just probably go to sat-nav bought me. I'm not from around here, so... I'm not turning around now. <laughs> well, I was going to say, make sure you turn around. Yeah, you don't I'm want going. two fines in one day. I've saved you a few quid yeah. there. I'm not turning around now, yeah. Well, Justin, people, uh, <laughs> the people, are, people are stupid, to be honest. I know that some yeah. people might say, well, this could be a cash cow that the um, the council have got. And well, they've made about 50 grand, haven't they? I have. It's a lot of money. It's but, a lot of money. But it's so obvious. Some comments on Facebook. Steve says, you really have to be careful everywhere now. Cameras, it's the driver's own fault. Not that I agree with such sneaky, underhand methods of revenue collection. Well, is it sneaky? Uh, you see, from, from what I've seen, and again, people can make their own minds up this morning when they see those photographs, because, you know, from what I see, it's not sneaky. It's just so clear. It may be small. It may be small, but, but the signs are there. It's marked on the road. The diversion is a minute and a half. From what I've seen, it's not sneaky. It's just people, like that lady says, well, I just follow the crowd. Other people come down here. Well, that doesn't make it right. Somebody else saying, well, I just followed the sat-nav. sat-nav that, yeah. again, that doesn't make it right, but... But nearly a thousand people in six weeks, it's earning so much money. And again, hopefully today, we can advise people that these bus lane cameras, they are switched on. And if you drive through the bus lane, you will be fined £50. It, it, people who follow the, um, the sat-navs and d- d- just depend on them completely deserve everything they get. But that man, he drives for a living. He drives oh. up and down the country. He uses his sat-nav all the time. But using a sat-nav, obviously, is going to get you from A to B. But, but things do change. The, that bus lane has been there for a while, yes, but, but the cameras have only been switched on in the last six weeks. A sat-nav, of course. It won't tell you that, in. You're no. still going to get fined. We'll be speaking to Bedford Borough Council uh, a little bit later on the show. Very quickly, Justin, St George's Day. Yes. Does, does that mean anything to you? Oh, it means a lot to me, absolutely. If I'm going to live in this country, I want to feel proud to be English, and later I'll be going out for an English. Hopefully, you might be joining me. Oh, that sounds very hard. Are you paying? Hey, maybe, yes. Yeah, we go, there we go, you see. Then suddenly the, the caveats come into this. No, 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 no. Justin Dilley, thank you very much indeed. It is St George's Day. Does it mean anything to you? Every year you kind of get um, rumblings, don't you? And, and moanings from people. We don't, we don't celebrate St George's Day. We're not proud to be English. Well, I didn't even know it was St George's Day until the, the 47 minutes ago. St George's Day, does it mean anything to you? Are you bothered by it in the slightest? 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to give me a call, or you can text me 81333, start your text 3C. I'll put your name on, please. Otherwise, I won't read it out. Travel news now. Here's Alan Cowie. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Yeah, not looking too bad on the roads. We've got uh, no accidents or problems reported. The uh, M1 should be a clear run for you right now. As for the uh, A1M, uh, traffic seems to be flowing well. M25 building up a little bit. Nothing unusual, though. Anti-clockwise around Junction 21, the M1 getting busy. And also anti-clockwise around Junction 16, which is the M40. But uh, traffic is moving. But uh, no accidents or problems. Good service on all train lines as well. Alan Cowie, BBC Three Counties Radio. Alan, thank you very much. Right, 6.45, I'm Ian Lee and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. 
A charity is accusing Luton Borough Council of failing to provide adequate services for young people with autism. Police are looking for three teenagers who robbed a woman at Knife Point in Houghton Regis on Friday. In sport, Manchester United are the champions of England for the 20th time after a 3-0 win over Aston Villa at Old Trafford wrapped up the title with four games to spare. Coming up, St George's Day, does it mean anything to you? 08459 455 555. Before we talk about that, though, here's the weather with Kate Kinsella. Beds, Hearts and Bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much. Good morning. Well, if you are heading out, it's a beautiful start to the day. Plenty of sunshine around there at the moment, uh, all across the three counties. But the cloud will start to increase as it did yesterday throughout this afternoon. Not saying that it's not going to be any sunshine. We're just going to get sunny spells. Temperatures outside at the moment ranging between 9 and 10 Celsius already. And they're set to climb. In fact, today, temperature-wise, it's looking very warm indeed. We're looking at a maximum temperature temperature later on of around 18 celsius that's 64 degrees in fahrenheit it's going to feel a lot warmer if you're in a town say watford or luton for example things are going to feel a little warmer elsewhere though in the sunshine it's really going to feel rather lovely in the light westerly wind now overnight tonight dry some clear spells but the cloud like last night will increase as we get towards dawn tomorrow morning temperature wise though it's another mild night on the cards nine celsius that's 48 degrees in fahrenheit outlook for tomorrow looking cloudy We'll get one or two uh, holes in the cloud, though. Bright and sunny spells and temperatures just a little bit warmer. Looking at a maximum of 19 Celsius, that's 66 degrees in Fahrenheit. And that's your forecast. Thank you very much.
Are you ready? Yeah. Here he comes. Move to him. Stay with him. Bang. Oh, look at it! Yes! Oh. I've trained a killer. Come on. <laughs> you feeling good? You, you hit it. I'm feeling really butch. Tackling your consumer problems. Sylvie wasn't happy with the quality of her telephone line. Kate's having problems with her leaky garage roof. The JVS show. Five times they've not turned up for the appointment. I've still got the leak, which is obviously getting worse. Fighting for your rights. I went to speak to your telephone company and I said, look, what on earth is going on? The JVS show. Have they managed to fix the problem with the internet? Yeah, it's fantastic. Absolutely wonderful. It could not, well, it would not have happened without your intervention. If you have a consumer problem, we can do the same for you. Took one phone call from yourselves, whereas I've been trying for over six months. The JVS Show, weekday mornings from nine on BBC Three Counties Radio. Happy St George's Day! Yeah, no, I forgot as well. Sorry. Well, David Cameron has said he's equally proud to be English and British, and that we should all celebrate St George's Day. Are you bothered by it in the slightest? Is, are, are you doing anything to celebrate it? If I'm honest, the phones haven't lit up with people saluting St George. Is that what you do? I'm guessing I'm guessing none of you care about it. Well, research shows that nearly three quarters of the population want April the 23rd to be made a public holiday. Our reporter Justin Dealey has been out in Luton finding out if you know the importance of today. Wayne, it's the 23rd of April. Yep. Any ideas what today means? Today is St George's Day. It's also the birthday of William Shakespeare. Well, you certainly know your stuff. Which is also his death day as well, unfortunately. He died on his birthday, poor chap. Are you bothered about St George's Day? I feel that we should actually uh, celebrate it more than what we do. Uh, So, yes, I am. We've seen a few flags up already, but um, do you think a lot of people will just forget about today and not even know what it is? Yes, I do, unfortunately. Does that make you feel quite sad? Yes, it does, as an Englishman. I was glad to see that we did celebrate on Saturday in the town square, um, albeit on the wrong day, but there you go. Well, here's Pam. Pam, it's the 23rd of April today. Why is today special? St George's Day. Fantastic. You know straight away, so you must be bothered then. Yeah, I don't think we celebrate St George's Day enough. Mm. So how will you be celebrating? Well, street party, maybe. Really? A street party? Yes. You know, St Patrick's do, do great things. Yeah. Anything for the kids. My granddaughter at the moment's at school. It's uh, non-uniform day and they're dressing up in the period of St George. I mean, clearly so. you care about this because you oh, might yeah. be having a street party yeah. later on. The kids are celebrating. Yeah. Do you think more people should be celebrating? Because yes, I do. it is a special day, isn't it? Yes, I do. Um, I think with us, because we're such a diverse town as well, um, we have lots of celebrations, then why not celebrate St George's? It's part of our history. So It was celebrated on Saturday, but as somebody just pointed out, that clearly was the wrong day. Well, it was, because it's Tuesday, yeah. so... And just lastly, you're proud to be English? I certainly am proud to be English. Certainly am. Madam, today is the 23rd of April. Why is today so significant? George's Day. And again, you know, everyone I'm talking to this morning oh, knows... We should celebrate it more than the Irish do. Their St Patrick's Day. Does that make you angry that we it don't? It does, because a lot of we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for our granddads, dads and all that. So your message would be to anybody listening to this today, go out and celebrate. It's once a year. We should do. Do you know a lot of people who haven't got a clue what today is all about? No. A lot of people don't know the date today, what it is. It's not advertised enough. So why do you know straight away? Is it something you keep in your diary? No, 23rd of April sticks in your mind. What's the, the thing that you're most proud about, about this country? It's the men who fought for us to be here today, and they're forgotten about. Well, are you bothered about St George's Day? That was a pretty good hit rate um, for Justin Dealey there, with people who knew what the day was. 
Someone's even going to be throwing a street party. Really? Emma's from Stevenage. Emma, did you know it was St George's Day? Of course I did. I've been battling the, the dragons since Saturday. <laughs> and and how have you been? Well, how have you been battling the? How have you been celebrating, Emma? Well, every year we go to West Park, which is English Heritage, and we do um, St George's Day. What do you what do you what do you mean you do St George's Day? Well, we go and celebrate it. We go and watch the jousting. We go and Ooh. the children go and watch the um, St George fighting the dragon. Yeah, it's the fun of it. It's a wonderful time of year. We've got our St George's flags up. The kids are go- who are at Statue School are going in in red, white, and blue today. Or if they're a Beavis Cub Scout or a guide, or a brownie, they're all going in, in their uniforms. Hang on a minute, red, red, white, or blue, but that's the union flag. Yeah, well... It should not, be red and white. We do, but what they're doing is they're all taking stuff in... The, the school said if they could come oh. in red, white, and blue because the uniform's blue. Oh, I see, Add okay. a bit of red, and oh, add right. a bit of white, and red and white to it, and they're all taking in fun swords to do, and they're all pretending to go and fight the dragon this afternoon. Hang on a minute, they're all taking in fun swords? Yes, the sponge. Sponge. Oh, sponge swords, okay. Sponge swords, so they can all go round the, round the playground going, Sir George, yeah! And go and pretend to fight the dragon. They Could, love it! What, just do that, what are they doing, Emma? They're pretending to chase one of the teachers around the playground, who's, who's going to look, I think she's going to look like a dragon, and pretend to fight her. And, and what, what do they say to her? They say, on guard, or fire, or something. I don't know what the kids okay. say. They're going to say, we're going to kill you! Why do you, th- why do you think that we've kind of ignored St George's Day? The, the Irish, St Paddy's Day, they all go bonk. we all go bonkers for it, but I, St George's I, Day gets overlooked. I think what it is, is us as a country don't appreciate St George. We should... I, I have a national holiday. Yeah, it sounds like, like you need Irish one. Do, yeah. Like the, the, the Scots do. Yeah. Why can't we have a national day? We, we're allowed one. I mean, the amount of people that don't bother, who don't realise what day it is, because it's not broadcast, it's not said on the news. Oh, it's St George's Day today. I mean, it will be today because it's the Queen's birthday as well today. Yes. But that's the only way people will realise, oh, it's St George's today. I'm doing, the, as it is the Queen's birthday, I'm doing the whole show to attention and saluting. I bet you are. you standing up and saluting I'm, to I'm standing queen. up and wearing my dress suit. <laughs> Who, who's that in the background? That is my son, Toby, practising fighting the dragon. How already. old is Toby? He's coming up seven. Can I, would I be able to have a word with Toby? Of course, hold on. Thank you. Toby, do you want to speak and say what you're doing? Say good morning. Who's it? Say it's Ian Lee. Say good morning. Hello. Hello, Toby. How are you? Good. Are you celebrating St George's Day today? Yeah. What are you? Can I ask? What are you wearing? Beavers uniform. Your beavers uniform. Yes. Yeah. And are you taking a sword into yeah. school? Yeah. What are you going to do with the sword? Don't know. Okay. Are you going to bully a teacher? Yeah. You see, this is this is the Daily Mail will be on this. And uh, Toby, can I ask you, yeah. who who was St George? So, yeah, well done. I heard Mum in the background. Toby, have a fun day. Nice to talk to you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. There we go. Toby's celebrating. He's not quite sure why he's celebrating it, but he's celebrating it. He's taking a sword into school. Wowzers. Huh? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Emma and Toby, they're very excited. It's St George's Day. I love that, him practising in the background. Wonderful. But th- does it mean anything to you? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. I didn't know it was St George's Day until an hour ago. Literally an hour ago. I got buzzed in my own. You know it's St George's Day, is it? Oh, it means nothing to me, should it? Am I letting the side down a bit? 
by not being aware of it, by not waving a flag, by not doing whatever it is I'm supposed to do. 08459 555555. St George's Day, what does it mean to you? Right, let's get the travel news, shall we now? and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. Well, there's roadworks in uh, Beaconsfield on Park Lane just near to the A40, the London Road. St John Street in uh, Bedford has uh, roadworks at uh, Rope Walk and the M25 uh, looks pretty much as normal, anti-clockwise heavy. Junction 17, Maple Cross, round to 16 the M40 and anti-clockwise also very slow around Junction 21, which is the uh, M1, but no accidents or problems reported. Good service on the trains as well. Alan Cowie, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, uh, Alan. It's been pointed out to me, and I'm, I'm aware of this kind of uh, history, that St George never set foot in England. He was Turkish. I heard he was Palestinian, but he, he certainly wasn't English. It's odd, isn't it, that our saint wasn't English? And uh, somebody else on Twitter, Scott, has pointed out the uh, lady in Justin's Vox who was uh, celebrating St George's Day to remember the people who fought for us. Well, Scott says, you remember the people who fought for us on Remembrance Day. The clue is in the name, you stupid old sausage. Right, we'll discuss this some more after the news with Catherine. Hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning, it's seven o'clock. The headlines, autism charity calls for more care in Bedfordshire. Boston suspect on WMD charge and claims St Albans families besieged by rats. BBC Three Counties Radio. The chair of Autism Bedfordshire is accusing Luton Borough Council of failing to provide adequate services for young people. Laney Miller says a lack of residential facilities in the area means the nearest care home for a teenage son is in Norfolk. You can hear more on this story up next with Ian Lee. More details have emerged of the first court appearance of the surviving suspect in the Boston Marathon bombings. According to the legal transcript, during a short hearing in Jokar Taneyev's hospital room, he was able to speak once, appeared lucid and was able to understand what was going on. Canadian police say they've foiled a plot to derail a passenger train near Toronto, the country's biggest city. Two non-Canadians have been charged with terrorism-related offences. Our correspondent in Washington, Jane Little, gave more details. It's noted they're not Canadian citizens. The authorities did not release where they are from, but said they'd clearly been plotting it for some time. The authorities had been following them for a year. As they said, no imminent danger. But the most striking thing is the accusation, the allegation that al-Qaeda elements located in Iran were guiding this. Back home, a waste company has signed up to be operators of a new incinerator in Buckinghamshire. FCC Environment will build and operate the energy from waste plant near Calvert, which would power 36,000 homes. A St Albans family say they've been forced to barricade themselves into one room in their home as it's being overrun by rats. The Silvermans are calling for the District Council to do more to help them after a previous attempt at exterminating the pests failed. Laura Jane Silverman says they had no idea the house was already occupied when they moved in. When we first moved in, it was all... um, in quite good order and um, but because the the rats had gone underneath the floors they basically just destroyed the fabric there were holes everywhere even in the brickwork um, and actually having spoken to the council and got um, a report done and um, we found out that the rats had actually been there for up to 14 years it's clearly signposted it's been in the daily mail and our reporters even been pointing it out in person but hundreds of people are still being fined for driving in a Bedfordshire bus lane in the last fortnight alone 300 motorists have been caught on camera at Wixom's off the A6 near Wilsted and these people might be getting an unwelcome letter in the next couple of weeks too well i think really i just follow other people other people come down here and um, i just do what they do really i don't know honestly i wasn't really 
looking at it, I was just coming down the line by the way the sat nav brought me, so I'll just probably go to sat nav brought me. I'm not from around here, so I'm not turning around now. It's just something I do because other people do it, yeah. and uh, you know, I've done it for quite a long time, really. Mm. In sport, Manchester United as champions of England for the 20th time. Robin Van Persie scored a hat-trick at Old Trafford as they beat Aston Villa 3-0 to regain the title with four games to spare. The weather dry with sunny spells and a top temperature of 18 degrees Celsius. That's 64 Fahrenheit. There's more news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. BBC Three Counties Radio, first for news. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Three minutes past seven, it's, what is it, Tuesday? Something like that, the 23rd. It's St George's Day. Happy St George's Day. Are you fussed by it? Are you bothered? We had an excellent call just before the news from a mum and her seven-year-old son who are going to be celebrating. Are, are you doing anything to celebrate? Or do you think, oh, for goodness sakes, get over it. That's the only call we've had so far. 08459 455 555. Other things coming up between now and 8 o'clock include a Bedfordshire mum is angry that her son who has autism will have to receive care two hours away because she says there's nowhere in Luton for him to go. Well, she'll be joining me on, in the studio next. Do you remember we told you about a month ago that almost 300 people have been fined for driving through a bus lane in Bedfordshire that's only 33 foot long? Well, guess what? Loads more people have been caught. I mean, hundreds have been caught. Go to the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. Have a look at a picture of the bus lane. Now, is the council being sneaky and using this to make a few quid? Or are people just idiots? And also, we'll hear why a rat problem has got so bad for one St Albans family. They have barricaded themselves in their bedroom. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Or give me a call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, a Bedfordshire autism charity says Luton Borough Council are not providing adequate services for children and young adults with autism. Chair of Autism Bedfordshire, Lainey Miller, says her 16-year-old son, Tony, who's on the severe end of the autistic spectrum, will have to live over two hours away because there isn't anywhere nearby that meets his needs. She says other families in the area are also suffering from the same problem and are having to home their children in places as far away as Devon and Norfolk. Well, Lainey joins me now. Morning, Lainey. Morning. Tell me about your son's autism. Explain the, the, the spectrum, the autism spectrum, and whereabouts he is on that? Um, the autism, if you imagine a rainbow, the autism spectrum is that of a rainbow. And at the top, we have the high-functioning and the Asperger's, and then we'll have the children that are in the middle, and then we have the severe end. And normally with the severe end of autism, that will become associated with severe learning disabilities and often ADHD, OCD, challenging behaviour and epilepsy. Um, and Tony's on the severe end of that spectrum. How does it affect his life day to day? It affects his life that Tony is... is uh, non-communicative in the sense that he will only say single syllable words his communication is sometimes with symbols he gets very confused um he can't cope with large crowds out in the community and he's very much into a routine and structure every day Um, the routine is a a big thing isn't it yes it's a massive and if you break that routine it can be terribly upsetting yeah it gets very very distressing for them and and they can't cope because their brain doesn't work like our brain and he just he he just can't manage when did you first think hang on a second something's not quite right with my boy i realized something was wrong with tony when he was probably about six seven months old um you know he he wasn't 
displaying the signs of a baby. He wouldn't pick up toys. He wouldn't play as my other two children had done. And I thought then something's not quite right. So I just kept monitoring it. And around about the 12, 13 month mark, I lost the eye contact. Um, and that's another classic sign is the eye contact. And I was actually working in an autistic unit with adults um, at that time. And Tony started to flap his hands and, and dis- like display behaviour that mm. the people I worked with. So I picked it up very, very quickly and he was diagnosed early. He was diagnosed early on. Mm-hmm. Now, he needs round-the-clock care, doesn't he? 24-hour care, yeah. Have you been providing that care up until now? I've been providing that care up until Tony was 15. Right. Um, I had a support worker, a direct payment worker, um, Anna Orsini, and she used to come and support me. That was provided by social services, where she would come and stay at my house every other weekend and support me with Tony. Mm. Uh, just, just give me some respite and some time out. I mean, it's a good service um, that we can, family can get some kind of normality. But at 15, it was decided that Tony was becoming so unmanageable, I was getting very tired, that it was time to place Tony. How did you cope? You say you've got two other kids. Yes. How did you cope with... Did the other kids get ignored slightly? They don't get ignored, but they do have to sacrifice an awful lot because obviously that child, you know, demands so much attention that, you know, you could become very tired. Um, family days out could could get ruined because if we went to say Legoland for the day we could be a quarter of the way around the park and Tony would get very very distressed because the volume of the people the Mm. noise the crowd he'd start to scream and cry to go home and more often I would have to go out into the car park while dad would carry on going around with the other two and you know things like family meals out family weddings we didn't go to weddings together as a family we didn't go to christenings you know we didn't go to you know auntie Nelly's 80th whatever family celebration there was we couldn't go as a family someone would have to stay at home was there any resentment from the other kids and it's not a criticism no of them. no I'm no, sure it no, would be a natural no. our children our, our siblings um sacrifice so much when you have a child with a disability irrespective what that disability is whether it's down syndrome mm. or cerebral palsy that you know they become accustomed to the fact that they do have to sacrifice so much and as they get older yes there is resentment you know that but you'll find that our siblings will tend to bottle that in and that's where sibling support groups come in and help children with you know siblings to actually say come and talk to us about it because they don't want to you know moan at mum and dad they know they can see that mum and dad's got enough to cope with and you know it is very 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 hard on the how hard was the decision to put tony into residential care it's the hardest decision a parent will ever have to make um the only way that i can describe that is the fact that you know we we all go through life um i buried my parents you know um i've been through divorce and and the pain of having to actually place him somewhere to hand your child over to somebody to say look after him like i do and love him like i do there is no pain equates that no pain at all and I can understand that. I've had to put my mum in a home. Slightly different situation. But just there might be some people listening and think, well, hang on a minute, you're his mum. It's your job. Yeah. Well, when you get to the stage that, you know, 
24-hour care, you hit a wall that actually you can't go on. And Tony was at an age where he started, um, you know, whereas before we'd go to Wardown Park and we'd, we'd go swimming together and his direct payment work would go with him and I would take him out the other weekend. It got to the stage where Tony wouldn't go out with me. He was 15 and he couldn't say to me, I don't want to go to the park with you, No 15-year-old wants to go out with their mum exactly, at all. Exactly, exactly. And he wouldn't, he would just refuse. Yeah. I would I would drive to the park, it wore down, come on, we'll feed the ducks, I've got a bag of bread, let's go. And he'd go, no, no, and he, he wouldn't get out of the car. There are some residential centres in, uh, in Bedfordshire. Why mm. can't he go to those? So a lot of those are full. Right. And some of those, Tony, is not compatible. Um, when you're looking at a residential setting, you have to look at the people that are already living there or, you know, the dynamics of the group. And if he's not compatible, uh, then he can't go in. Tony's a noisy boy. You know, he likes to have the headphones on and, mm. and he likes to play on YouTube. That's He watches Barney and CBeebies, Teletubbies, all because mentally he's about three. Mm. Um, and that's what he does. And he jumps up and flaps around. And if you've got an autistic person that doesn't like noise then they can't live together. It's just not going to work. So where is the nearest place he could go then? Well, when it came to uh, looking at provision, I have looked at Northampton. I've looked at Lincolnshire. I've looked at Kent. I've looked at Southampton. And I've looked at Norfolk because there's nowhere in Luton, Central Beds or Bedfordshire that could really cater for his needs. What do you want... I'm going to ask a question, OK? Mm -hmm. Are you being too fussy? No, 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 no. What parents want in this town is that we do... Luton is a hotspot for autism, and there's no denying that. Um, children's services are bursting with, with children that are autistic, and not just autistic, but Down syndrome, cerebral palsy. We have a really high ratio of disabled children, and our two special schools in Luton clearly state that when they're having to build extra classrooms to cope. And what happens then is the two feeder schools, Lady Zia Werner and Richmond Hill, will feed in to Woodlands, mm. and Woodlands is really bursting at the seams with these young people. What do you want Luton to do? I would like Luton to sit around the table and talk to parents and say we need this parents need to have care provision in the town because the way parents feel are our children are lutonians mm. they're born and bred when i drive my son down new bedford road he can't say Wardown park but he will say ducks mm. he knows that's where the ducks are if i drive past manor road he'll say to me fun fair it may not be there but he knows that's where the fun fair is if i drive up crawley green he knows we're going to our local superstore so do you want, what, 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 you want them to build a new, you want Lutonborough Council to build a new centre? Because the, 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 there are cuts being made everywhere, yeah, aren't they? Yeah, I know there's cuts being made, but as a parent, I've spoken to care providers um, over a few years now, and I have, you know, raised and flagged up the fact that Luton Central Beds and Bedfordshire, the whole county, we have a huge problem for children with autism and children with disabilities, adults. These children are going to become adults, and eventually they've got to say, well, it's time for me to be in independent now, Mum, I've got to leave home or they've got to leave home because parents are just getting too old mm. or they can't cope anymore and we've got to place these people and I think the county needs to look at itself and say well we've got Bedford, Central Bed and, and Luton there's a lot of children with disabilities a lot of adults why can we not build something here I've seen some excellent provisions out there in Norfolk, Southampton and, and you know uh, Lincolnshire that actually if we can get a plot of land these care providers are quite willing to come in and build a college and build some residential homes, build homes or, or buy homes in the community and start to provide the care that, that we need. How many other families have you spoken to in, in this area in the same situation? Quite a few. Yeah. Quite a few families. I've got families that are struggling for respite. Um, 
you know, we have one Luton home in, in local authority home in Luton. It's only one for children's services um, and they can't cater for all the complex needs. And parents are desperate for a respite, even if it's just from nine to five where they get a break and they can go to that place or an overnight stay where parents can just get some sleep so they can regroup and recharge their batteries as a family or just have a normal night out with their other children and parents are, are desperate and hugely worried because they see that I'm having to struggle to find provision for my son and they're saying well what about my child when I or where am I going to put mine he's 18 now mm. where's he going to go and if all the homes in Luton are full that deal with learning disabilities then where do we go and we have to go out of the county and I just you said you placed your mum in a home um you know would that be local where where you live or not far it was we've moved nearer we've moved nearer yeah Yeah. so basically it you know if you're placing a child with a disability or a young adult or a mother or a father whatever you want to be able to pop in yeah have a cup of tea take a you know a tin of baked biscuits there you go i'll bring them home for sunday roast take them back home oh i don't want to bring my mum home for sunday <laughs> roast she's too fussy i'll get told off for not doing the potatoes right laney it sounds like a battle i appreciate you coming in send our best to tony mm-hmm. uh, we have got a statement from luton borough council they can't discuss individual cases but they say luton has a range of service provision for disabled children both in terms of residential services and services to support young people in the home those needs uh, those whose needs are highly specialist and cannot be met locally may be placed further afield and i just have to say my mum is welcome for a sunday roast anytime just in case she's listening I, i'm uh, she keeps saying you're, you're not too old to get a slap so uh i have to be on her best side thank you very much laney cheers for that oh eight four five nine four double five five double five seven fifteen let's get the travel news now here's alan cowie beds hearts and bucks travel bbc three counties radio well, nothing out of the ordinary. The M25 uh, anti-clockwise, very slow from Junction 21, the M1, to 20 Kings Langley, and then a bit further round from 18 Chorleywood around to Junction 16, which is the M40. But should be a clear run for you on the A1 and the uh, M1 right now, looking at the uh, motorway cameras and uh, no accidents or problems being reported. Good service on the trains as well. Alan Cowie, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much. Right, it's 7.16. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. The chair of Autism Bedfordshire is accusing Luton Borough Council of failing to provide adequate services for young people. Waste company FCC Environment has signed up as operator of a new incinerator at Calvert in Buckinghamshire. In sport, Man United are champions of England for the 20th time after beating Aston Villa 3-0 to regain the title with four games to spare. The weather today for beds, hearts and bucks dry with sunny spells and a top temperature of 18 degrees. Coming up before 7.30, we'll hear why a rat problem has got so bad for a St Albans family, they've barricaded themselves in their bedroom. BBC Three Counties Radio. Nick Coffer on BBC Three Counties Radio. Every weekday between 12 and 3, I'm here with a little bit of celebrity. I've always loved being a comedian because it's my job, so I'm going to keep doing that. I was voted Japan's number one male vocalist of the year, and I beat out Frank Sinatra. How's that? <laughs> Expert advice. It does sound like it's a mechanical pain brought on by altered mechanics in your upper limb. Your capital's protected because I'm guessing what you don't want to do is take any risks with the capital itself. And loads of really great music. Nick Coffer, weekdays from 12 on BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio, 08459 455 555. You can text as well, and some of you have done. 81333, start your text 3CR. Excuse me, I'm just reaching over for a cup of tea. I do, but indulge me. 
beautiful. There we go. St George's Day. Does it mean anything to you? I didn't notice St George's Day until five minutes to six. There'll be people out there listening to that cursing. Cursing my name and my lack of support for our English saint. He was Turkish or possibly Palestinian and he never came to this country. Uh, Angela says, I work at a school and today is a non-uniform day and everyone will be wearing some red and white. In the school clubs we have various St George activities and in the classes they'll be talking about St George. Tim in Bromman says... I'll be celebrating St George's Day by starting off with a full English breakfast. Good lad. Good lad. And tonight I'll have fish and chips washed down with ale. Ale? You're living in the 1600s, Tim. Well done, though. Oh, a big bag of proper chip shop chips. Oh, you've got me thinking. This is the second time I've uh, lusted after chip shop chips uh, during the, uh, during the uh, show in the morning. That's a bit dirty, isn't it? 08459 four double five five double five. St George's Day. Does it mean anything to you? Is it significant to you? We do hear all these calls every year from a minority, a growing minority, but still a minority saying we should do more to celebrate it. We should do what the Irish do and go mental. It's not even the Irish that celebrates St Paddy's Day anymore. Everyone does. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. Does St George's Day mean anything to you? Or do you think, for goodness sakes, just... Just grow up. Get get over it. It's not important. It's not significant in the slightest. And also, if you go to the Facebook page, I'd like you to have a little look at a photograph photograph of uh, a bus lane. Um, it's only 33 foot long. It's in the Wixoms in Bedfordshire. Uh, and over a 1,000 people have been fined in, I think, about the last six weeks. 50 quid a fine. You do the maths. £50,000. It's not bad, is it? Is it the council being a little bit sneaky... A little bit naughty, trying to make a few quid. Or are people idiots? Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Uh, uh, three comments at random. Steve, seems a bit silly having a small bus lane like that, but it's clearly signed, so drivers have no excuse. Nigel, fools, are we letting blind people drive? Or they need to learn the highway code. And Barbara says, should be a red sign, no entry, buses only, problem solved. Well, Barbara, it's written in the, on the ground in huge letters, bus only. There's a blue sign with a picture of a bus, which means bus only. It's a bus lane. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Now, a family from St Albans who've had to barricade themselves into their bedroom after rats overran their home say they feel let down by the district council. Pregnant Laura Jane Silverman, her husband Alessio and their two-year-old daughter Phoebe moved into their new home in Holywell, uh, Holywell Hill last July. Since then, they've spent all their savings trying to get rid of the rats that they didn't know were there. Our reporter Sophie Solaria has been to visit Laura Jane and her husband at their home in St Albans. So when we first moved in, all of this was carpeted. It looked really nice, actually. It was all um, in quite good order. Um, but because the, the rats had gone underneath the floors, they basically just destroyed the fabric. There were holes everywhere, even in the brickwork. Um, and actually, having spoken to the council and got um, a report done, um, we found out that the rats had actually been there for up to 14 years. So you can imagine the damage that they'd done. One evening, my parents were babysitting and smoke started coming through 
the um, one of the lights in the kitchen they started going through all the wiring so now there's no electricity in the in the kitchen here so we can't use lighting and actually the pest control guy that came over a few weeks ago said we were this far away from actually having a fire and so we stopped using it I mean as you can see and as you said there's a whole load of work to be done but we've been recommended not to do anything until we find the source of where they're coming from we're all upstairs in the warm bedroom at the moment we're stuck in that bedroom it's the only place where we don't think they can get well i'm joined now by paul wilkinson from pest force and nationwide pest company and also the owner of the home the voice you heard there laura jane silverman morning to both of you yeah, good morning paul i'm going to speak to laura first but feel free to chip in any time that you you, you want laura when did you first notice that you had a rat problem um, pretty much as soon as we moved in, within the first week we started hearing scratching um, and we thought, okay, maybe it's just mice, everyone has mice, it's not the end of the world. Um, but then we came back from our holiday a few weeks later and the whole place was just covered in droppings. Um, Phoebe, my daughter's cot, um, had droppings in it, it was, and they were roaming all over the house. And um, so it was at that point that we realised. And then, as, as it said in the report, we went to the council and um, who told us through the Freedom of Information that um, they'd actually been there for up to 14 years. But we didn't, we didn't know that when we bought it. I mean, generally, you don't do that when you buy a house. Well, Lord, um, well Jessica on, on uh, Twitter has said, how can this be happening? Is there no comeback on the previous owners for non-disclosure? Um, we did speak to um, the council um, about that, um, but no, <laughs> there's, um, there's, I, I spoke to the vendors as well, and they said they, they did hear about, um, they did think that there may be some rodents in the house, but they spoke to the council, and the council said there wasn't anything there. Um, so we didn't get very far with the, um, with the vendors, and obviously with the council, it's not completely their responsibility to, to solve the, um, to solve the situation. I think our main, our main issue is that it's just not very clear. When you go to the council, it says on their website, um, that they do provide pest control, especially for rats, and, um, our MP as well, um, agreed there just because of the health risk. Um, but actually they just provide the minimum um, support they can't and they're made, which is great because it kills the rats and Laura, listen, we're, we're losing you slightly. We're going to try and get you on another number if we can. So I'm just going to hand you back to the production team. While we're doing that, we'll, we'll speak to, to Paul Wilkinson from Pest Force. Paul, rats are, these rats have potentially been there for 14 years. Is it common for, for rats to, to, to loiter for so long in one place and not be noticed? Well, it is. I mean, it's all due to... A lot of it's due to the government cutbacks, you know, with the chaos cutting back all the time, and like the lady quite rightly said. Um... Uh, the council offer a bare minimum. The council do what it says on the tin pretty much, nine times out of ten. I mean, we're a nationwide company. We've got over 200 technicians nationwide. And so we're faced with, with, with problems like this every day. And, and, the, and the problem is, with all rat poison, if it's not put down correctly, it, um, a rat has got to have a certain amount each day, three to four days, continuous, before it can take a lethal dose and what a lot of diy people do uh, is, is go and buy a bit of poison themselves put it down uh, and they don't have a lethal dose you know they'll put a bit down one day and then go back a week later and put a little bit more down and then they can get they can never get, a, get a, a, you know they get immune to it because they never get a lethal dose as such uh, and a lot of pest control companies that work with the council just come down because they're work into a budget they'll just put a bit of poison down all that sorted well it sometimes isn't sorted and it could also lead on to secondary problems you know paul I, 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 we also heard there from laura i think it's back we'll get, laura are you there yeah excellent well, yes i can hear you now thank you we're just talking to paul the, the, the expert about this we were hearing yeah. that um that wires have been chewed and it's things have started smoking again is that quite yeah. common paul 
Yeah, I mean, the, the ads come. The truth, you know, if, if anybody ever had a pet rat uh, uh, as, as a kid, you know, every every so many months you have to take them to the vets to have the teeth clipped, and that's exactly the same for rats in the in in the, in the wild. Uh, and uh, but they can't go to the vets, you know, so they they usually gnaw on 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 hard plastic substance to, to naturally wear their teeth down, and unfortunately, it's usually water water pipes or electric cables. Ever so common, ever so common. Yeah, Laura, do, do, do you do you see? them laura yeah we um we actually took a few videos of them just all over the they were roaming all over the kitchen when we got back from our holiday and just gone over all of our appliances um, and they're incontinent as well so they just yeah they're they're not they're not the cleanest animals in the world um laura you've got a two-year-old daughter and uh, another baby on the way as a mum you must be really worried about this yeah, I mean, like I said, it's in a smart and so because it's rats and they're such a health risk and just dangerous. Um, and they're also quite difficult to get rid of as well. I mean, as you can see from the Freedom of Information documents, they've been there for the last 14 years. Um, and I think previous vendors have just used the short-term solution, which is just a bait. So they've never actually got to the got to the bottom of the um, the problem. Um, so, and yeah, I've seen a picture of your property. You've got floorboards up and, and, and things like that. Is that to, to, to try and get them? Yeah, we had to we had to take up all the carpeting, we had to take up all the floorboards and just reseal all of the um the bottom of the yeah, the ground floor. Um but then once we'd done that, about three, four months later they'd got up through the cavity and into the the, the first floor. Um so now um we haven't got any yeah, wiring the wiring's always all been bitten in the kitchen, but we can't do any renovation until we've worked out where they're actually coming from. Uh, and we can start looking at it. Listen, if people want to see those pictures, they can go to facebook.com forward slash bbc3cr. Paul, I know you can't really solve this case specifically, but, but, but what would someone in Laura's position have to do? Well, I mean, I hope. I, I don't know too much about uh, Laura's case because, uh, as I say, I'm the managing director and I, I'm, uh, uh, I've not been to the property myself, but was, uh, I trust one of my guys has looked after Laura fantastically and, and what they have been trained to do is, uh, is, is try, try and look at the bigger picture, try and proof the house to try and keep them from, from coming in, you know, and, and not just place baits, hopefully look at to putting a trapping programme in there as well. They're probably coming through the sewers, so uh, my guy down there uh he would have no doubt been looking in the sewers or looking at air bricks you know sift of tube through them got getting squeezing in there to look at blocking them out because the trouble is if you just put a poison down bait a poison bait is nine times out of ten an attractant in it and so if you're not careful if you just keep putting poison inside a house and, and and the entry points are free all you're actually doing is attracting every rodent into your house to die effectively you know so we look at uh sort of proofing it off and, uh, and then either tracking them or baiting so nothing else can come in so to speak but Paul thank you I, I appreciate your time I appreciate your wise words Paul Wilkinson the last voice you heard there from Pest Force a nationwide pest company and we also heard Laura Jane Silverman who is the owner of the home that's got an infestation of rats if you want to see a picture of, uh, of a dead rat and some floorboards then we'll go to the Facebook page facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR it's horrible isn't it we, the rats keep popping up every now and then uh, and it's just such a grim story, particularly when you've got a two-year-old kitty and a baby on the way. It's not what you want at all. Right. Let's get the travel news now, shall we? Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Yeah, getting busy now on the A1 southbound at the Black Cat roundabout in uh, Roxton and also now looking slow for the M25 uh, anti-clockwise from Junction 21 which is the M1 round to 20 Kings Langley and then further round from 18 Chorleywood to Junction 16 which is the M40. So busy but uh, nothing out of the ordinary. We've got no accidents or problems reported and on the trains and no major issues. Alan Cowie, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thanks Alan. Coming up to 7.30 here's the news with Catherine Boyle. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Or not, as the case may be. Sorry, I am here. What, what, what on earth is going on, woman? Oh, sorry. <laughs> what, what, what's... I'm having a bit of a mare, hang on. What's, well, you're right, is everything sorry, right? Just, Calm just, down. Just sing or something. No, all right. Okay. Oh, okay, all right, do it again. Looks like we made it. I'm ready, I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay, I've got, I've got to move things around now. Hang on a second. You're you right, though, first yeah, of all. That's yeah, the yeah. main thing. I'm fine. Okay, but well, can you just give us a reason why you were late? Um... <laughs> what were you doing? <laughs> I was doing my job. I was clipping. Ready for the yeah, for your the nails more likely. <laughs> beds, hearts, and bugs. Try again. This is don't mess it up this time. Three Counties Radio. It's just gone seven thirty. I'm Catherine Boyle. The headlines: The chair of Autism Bedfordshire is accusing Luton Borough Council of failing to provide adequate services for young people. Waste company FCC Environment has signed up as operator of a new incinerator at Calvert in Buckinghamshire, and a St Albans family say they've been forced to barricade themselves into one room as their home has been overrun by rats. Beds, hearts and bucks, sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Manchester United are champions of England for the 20th time after they beat Aston Villa 3-0 at Old Trafford to regain the title with four games to spare. The main man, once again, was Robin Van Persie. Giggs knocks it back in and Van Persie's there to score from close range. Oh, magnificent on the volley. Robin Van Persie strikes a supreme goal. It's into Van Persie. Is this the hat-trick? Yes, it is. The Football Association have charged Liverpool striker Luis Suarez with violent conduct for the biting incident with Chelsea's Branislav Ivanovic. Suarez has until six o'clock tonight to respond to the charge and a decision on the length of his ban and fine will be made tomorrow. In League Two, the Wickham Wanderers boss Gareth Ainsworth has spoken of his delight at signing a new two-year deal yesterday. Ainsworth has listed the chairboys from bottom to mid-table after becoming permanent manager this season. It's been no secret that um, I've, uh, I've really enjoyed my time at Wickham and, uh, and this season was a tough a tough season you know and uh, being bottom of the league and then finishing potentially in the top half uh, is, is perfect timing for me to uh, to be offered and to sign a, a two year deal Two local teams trying to make the Southern Premier playoffs are in action tonight. Hemel Hempstead, who are fourth, are at Leaders Leamington and Arzee in seventh are at Bedworth United. Finally, racing and 11 horses owned and trained at Sheikh Mohammed's Godolphin Stadium have, stable rather, have failed drugs tests. The horses, including the unbeaten Certify, are now banned from racing after samples tested positive for a banned anabolic steroid following spot checks on the new market base of trainer Mahmoud El Zarouni. And that's your latest news and sport. More from me at eight o'clock, really? I promise. Really poor show. I'm really, so sorry. No, uh, really poor show. Well, we, eight o'clock. You're going to be here. You fancy turning up for that or? Definitely. Probably. Go. Go and sit on the naughty news step. I'm so sorry. Uh. Across beds, hearts, and bucks. This is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. There is a naughty news step. It's next to the Paul Scoynes potty corner. So. Um, 
It's not a pleasant place to be, I hope, by any stretch of the imagination. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Coming up between now and eight o'clock, 300 people were fined for driving through a bus lane in Bedfordshire. Okay, that was in the first couple of weeks. That was a month ago. Loads more have been done since hundreds. It's only 33 foot long. But I say, I've got to be honest, you drive through it, you're an idiot, right? It's very well signposted. Go to the Facebook page, have a look. Also, it's St George's Day. Did you know that? Are you doing anything to celebrate? 08459 455 555. Well, uh, about 30 minutes ago, we were speaking to Lainey Miller, who is um, the chair of Autism Bedfordshire. She says her 16-year-old son, Tony, uh, will have to live over two hours away because there isn't anywhere nearby in Luton that meets his needs. Well, Karen is from Central Bedfordshire. Good morning, Karen. Morning. Karen, you've got an autistic son, haven't you? Yes, I have an autistic son in his early 20s. And um, how severe is his autism? Um, Very severe. Um, He has um, OCD, ADHD, epilepsy, um, everything that goes with the more severe end. And I was listening to Lainey this morning, and she really knows what she's talking about. Um, It's just great to have somebody standing up for parents. And, you know, if only they would give her the councils would give her the job of sorting out the provision in our area. Have you struggled, Karen, uh, with getting the help that you need for your son, both when he was a child and now as a grown man? Yes, yes, I have. Um, and at the moment, he is in a residential. He's been there um, about 18 months. But we've had a lot of problems. And I feel if there had been more choice in the area, then the standards would have been a lot higher. Um, what would you like to, to, to see your council li- do, do better? I would like to see more care providers brought into the area so parents have a choice and don't have to, you know, send their children or young adults away. Um, because, like Laney was saying, everyone wants to keep them close to them, especially when you've got a child that's very complex. You need, you know, more so to be able to keep an eye on them. Uh, there is people will be saying that Karen that there is a problem with with funding, isn't there? In that there isn't enough money to go around, and tough choices have to be made. Um, they can say that, but then again, they can spend money on um, the new tram line to Dunstable. Millions on that. Um, you know, this is something that need that's um, that's going to be well, become a desperate situation in a few years' time because all these children are going to be leaving school um, at 18, um, which is the normal age, 90-19, and there's nothing for them. Um, we also need a college in the area desperate, you know, desperately um, that they can go to for life. Karen, uh, I appreciate your time and thanks for calling in. Karen from Central Bedfordshire, who has an autistic son, a young man now. And um, she's been struggling to get any support from the council. 08459 four double five five double five. Well, we're going back to a story now, which we told you about uh, last month. The bus lane that's only 33 foot long, which has caught and fined hundreds of motorists since enforcement cameras were put up six weeks ago. It's on the Wixom's estate in Bedford. Now, when we mentioned this the last time, only 300 people were fined in the first two weeks. Only 300. That's quite significant. 50 quid a fine. Well, in the last four weeks, a further 655 people have been fined, taking the total amount to just under a thousand, fifty grand. Well, we've been asking if the people driving down the bus lane are just idiots. 
Our reporter Justin Dealey has been back to the bus lane speaking to this gentleman. Well, Ian, you're a cyclist. You come down this road every yeah. single day. The people that are being caught are nearly a thousand now. Be honest, are they just idiots? Yeah. It's clearly obvious that it's a bus lane and they clear access to turn around if they need to, if they still think they can go through. If they want to go through, then... Well, they're just idiots in there, I suppose. So you've got no sympathy for them whatsoever? No, nah, I drive a car as well. If I see it was a bus lane, I'd turn around. So it's that obvious in saying that. Can you believe that, that nearly a 1,000 people have been fined? Bearing in mind it is so obvious, and I agree with you, can you understand why so many people are being caught? Not really. I just yeah. think they're trying to think it is a shortcut, but it's not. They're just getting fines, aren't they? And yeah, just idiots. Well, our reporter, Justin Dealey, is back at the bus lane this morning. Uh, Justin, remind us what the bus lane is like. Well, Ian, it's very, very small, I can tell you that much. It's, what, 33 foot long. In front of me, I can see the signs, which clearly say bus lane cameras. Also got blue signs, which feature a bus and a bike. And on the road itself, it says bus only in huge letters. And there's red markings as well. So, as far as I'm concerned, it's pretty obvious that this is a bus lane. In saying that, um, just a few seconds ago, another vehicle drove straight through this bus lane here. And almost a 1,000 people now find in just a few weeks a clarification on the fine itself it's 60 pounds but if you pay within 21 days that goes down to 30 but but why so many people are still being fined i really don't know the photographs are on our facebook page and people can make their own minds up but certainly from what i can see it's clearly a bus lane in justin thank you very much indeed it, it is clearly a bus lane go to facebook.com forward slash bbc 3cr we'll read some of the facebook comments in a minute charles royden is the cabinet member transport and highway Ways at uh, Bedford Borough Council. Uh, Charles, why isn't the message getting through? Good morning. Well, I, I really don't know. It, as a local authority, we've got a, a duty of care at that site. The bus companies report to us that they're concerned. Only buses should use that road. I know the bus lane itself is only uh, a small bus lane, but only, only buses should use that road. It shouldn't be motor cars. Cyclists can use it. Pedestrians can use it. It's set aside for amenity use. People should not be using it as a rat run. And, you know, if somebody was killed on that, uh, on that stretch of road, people would be asking why the local authority didn't do something about it. So we have to, to, to put an enforcement. It's been in place since 2008. It was part of the design of the original estate, so it's a planning condition. There's nothing. We can't pick and choose on these things. Uh, people are not allowed to use it. We can't turn a blind eye to people who are using it, especially when bus operators are sat telling us it's dangerous. 655 people caught in the last four weeks. Are, are you surprised it's that many? I, I am, to be honest with you, Ethelene. Um, other bus lanes that we have used um, camera technology in, in the town centre have seen dramatic de- decreases. Um, people have just stopped using them and, and that's really enabled the buses to get through more quickly so that you find a lot less congestion for the buses in the town centre now and, and punctuality has improved um, but this particular location just seems very very a hard one to crack it, it's been in place for a long time and people have been ignoring it for a long time the camera's time. been there it was installed quite recently wasn't it although the bus lane's been there for a few years yeah the, the, the camera installation started on um, I think it was the 11th of March uh, but there's been a lot of publicity on this. It was in the Daily Mail, it's been on the television, it's been, you've covered it on the radio. Um, so people have had a lot of opportunity to hear about it. It's been discussed at public meetings on the Wixoms. So, you know, everybody knows about it. 
but some people still, I think, would rather take the fine and take the shortcut. Thousand people in six weeks, fifty quid a fine, thirty quid if you pay it quickly. Yep. Between thirty and fifty thousand pounds, yep. a lot of cash. There will be some people going, oh, oh, cheeky, sneaky council making a few pounds. Oh no, no, absolutely, no, that's absolutely not. And you've got to nail that one because, um, I mean, for, for a start, just administering these fines is costly for us, but installing the equipment is huge. We won't have made any profit on this site if you want to look at it in profit, and any uh, any money that does eventually accrue will be just reinvested in other road safety measures. Is, is that where the money goes? It goes into road safety oh, measures? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, but make that absolutely clear to your listeners. I mean, we, we have um, camera vehicles operating in the town going around stopping people from parking outside schools and parking zigzags and, and pedestrian crossings and things. Um, and people think that, that that's a huge income generator. They, they have not covered their costs yet. And any income that we get on this site will just be reinvested. I mean, I'm, I'm already receiving calls from people who live in Shorttown to have their bus lane protected because that's a huge rat run there and people are just abusing that. So any income is just reinvested across the town in road safety measures. Charles, I'd like to have a quick listen to a clip if you don't mind. Four weeks ago we sent our reporter, uh, Justin Dealey, to the site. He was standing in the middle of the road and stopping drivers. Have a listen to this. Well, I think really I just follow other people. Other people come down here and um, I just do what they do really. Now, Adam, earlier you drove through the bus lane cameras. I tried to stop you, but we were live on air at the time. I mean, looking at that now, it says bus only there, and it also says bus lane cameras. Are you looking at that thinking, how did I miss it? Yeah, I am actually. Where are the cameras then? <laughs> the camera is just there. You can see the camera just oh, there okay. to our right-hand side, but it clearly says bus only. That's marked clearly on the road, and it says bus lane cameras. As somebody who does quite a bit of driving for a living, <laughs> how could you miss it? Uh, I don't know, honestly. I wasn't really looking at it. I was just coming down the line by the way the sat-nav brought me, so... I'm not turning around now. <laughs> well, I was going to say, make sure you turn around. Yeah, you don't I'm want going. two fines in one day. I've saved you a few quid yeah, there. I'm not turning around now, yeah. Charles, are drivers idiots... Well, I, I do think drivers do need to question whether or not they are um, actually aware when they're driving of the dangers on the road. I mean, we have bus companies, bus operators saying to us, this is a dangerous spot because people should not be trying to get through the bus lane when buses are coming along. And uh, and so, you know, people have, have a responsibility to behave very carefully in what is a dangerous weapon, a vehicle. And if they're driving along oblivious to what's going on around them, then they are a danger to other road users. And so, you know, please wake up. Um, I, I've got a concern as transport and highways portfolio holder. You know, I've got people who are parking on on zigzags outside schools repeatedly, putting children's lives at risk. We've got people who are parking on, on lines approaching pedestrian crossings. That puts people's lives at risk. And just, you know, parking on verges and wrecking our grass. You know, for goodness sake, if you've got a motor vehicle, behave responsibly and, and think about other road users as well. One final uh, uh, question, Charles. If, if you must be rubbing your hands ever so slightly with glee, because if this continues, you're looking at just under 9,000 people a year going through there. Even if they pay the £30 fine, that's a quarter of a million pounds in a year you could make. Yeah, it's, inter- it's interesting you say that, but the, the amount of money that it costs us to invest in road safety is huge. If we want to put up one set of um, of average speed cameras it can cost over £50,000 and we're installing average speed cameras across the borough now as you probably realise we've put them in in, uh, in Milton Ernest and we've seen at Milton Ernest a, a drop in um, speeding uh, by 85% so if we can stop speeding on our residential roads, that would be fantastic. So any money that we make, and I can just give your listeners a reassurance, any money, any money that we make is reinvested in road safety. It doesn't go uh, to, to, you know, having a, having a party at the end of the day where we celebrate because the last thing that we want to do is see people um, getting fined for using the road. Charles Royden, I appreciate your time this morning. Thank you very much indeed. 08459 455 555. Normally, I, I kind of err on the side of the driver. 
I have very little sympathy for any of these people that have driven through this bus lane. Go to the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. It is the one of the best signed, illuminated bus lanes I've ever seen in my life. Go and have a look. We'll read out some of your comments shortly. 7.45 is the Travel News Now. Alan Cowie. Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, having a look at the uh, motorways, the uh, M1 should be a, a clear run for you right now and the uh, A1M with uh, no major problems. Uh, just slight delays on the A1 southbound between uh, Eaton Soken and the Black Cat roundabout at uh, Roxton. As for the M25, well, anti-clockwise delays between Junction 28, which is the A12, to Junction 25 at the A10. Uh, that section is taking about 40 minutes right now. And then anti-clockwise delays from 18 Chorleywood round to Junction 15, which is the M4, so heading to towards uh, Heathrow. And uh, just check the trains. We've got a good service on all lines right now. Alan Cowie, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Alan. Right, 7.46 exactly. It's Tuesday the 23rd of April. I'm Ian Lee, and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. The chair of Autism Bedfordshire is accusing Luton Borough Council of failing to provide adequate services for young people. Waste company FCC Environment has signed up as operator of a new incinerator at Calvert in Buckinghamshire. In sport, Manchester United are champions of England for the 20th time after beating Aston Villa 3-0 to regain the title with four games to spare. Coming up, two separate terror plots not being linked are dominating international headlines this morning. We'll find out more before 8 o'clock, but before that, here's the weather with Kate Kinsella. Beds, Hearts and Bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. Well, it's a beautiful start to the day, temperature-wise and sunshine-wise. Already outside across all three counties, we're around 9, 8 or 9 Celsius, and the temperature is set to climb much higher than that. A little bit of cloud around, some of it high, though, so some hazy sunshine, but that's going to come and go through the course of the day, thickening a little, just like it did yesterday, tomorrow uh, tomorrow afternoon, this afternoon. Temperature, though, is certainly feeling a little bit warmer. The maximum we can expect later on today, 16 Celsius, perhaps more than that low up to 18 or 19 that's 64 degrees in Fahrenheit particularly in the towns in built up areas such as Watford for example Luton we can expect the temperature to get up as high as 18. Now overnight tonight it stays mild, cloud increases uh, as we get towards dawn but the minimum temperature 9 Celsius, 48 degrees in Fahrenheit. Because the cloud coverage is a rather grey start to Wednesday uh, but we will get one or two spots of rain mixed in there but barely noticeable at all and some sunshine or some sunny spells expected later on in the morning throughout tomorrow afternoon feeling very warm again tomorrow the maximum temperature 19 celsius that's 66 degrees in fahrenheit and that's your forecast thank you very much every weekday from three roberto peroni with the best local news stories i get to meet a lot of really interesting people with the most amazing stories we feel as if we haven't been taken notice of yesterday we heard that the bank had gone but today it's still there the cat got delivered up in kabul you should be back in the uk in two months with the best local talking points do some of the bakers have flapjack fights no of course not roberto well not in our shops <laughs> roberto peroni weekdays from three on B- BBC Three Counties Radio. I am intrigued by this bus lane story. A thousand people have driven through this bus lane in the last six weeks. 30 quid, 50 quid a fine, 40,000 pounds is what you're looking at. Some of your comments on Facebook. 
Uh, I live in London and quite a few bus lanes are not marked as clearly as this. Sorry, no excuse. If you don't see this, you're not concentrating on the road. That's from Iris. Um, um, Rob says, didn't you cover this story weeks ago? We did. We followed it up. If people can't read, tough. I demand the council to use some of the profits from this lane to have a good knees up. They probably didn't expect that many fines, so enjoy the extra money on a jolly. Um, Drake says, given the number of penalties issued, the council should get the site independently reviewed to check that it does conform to legal requirements. Otherwise, we could be heading for a repeat of Hemel. Still get wound up thinking about the moronic councillor who blamed the drivers despite being shown in court to be wrong. Just a little point, they're not fines, they are penalty charges. Drake, I, I suspect it is quite legal, Drake. I know what you mean about the Hemel thing, but I, I suspect this is quite uh, legal. St George's Day today. Are you celebrating? Are you doing anything about it? it, it it's a minority, a growing minority, that seem to get excited about it. I, I didn't even know it was St George's Day two hours ago. Well, David is from Abbots Langley. Morning, David. Good morning. David, are you celebrating St George's Day? Yeah, the church bells are going to ring at half past three for about three hours this oh. afternoon. Oh, blimey. That's, that's when I have my little kip in the afternoon. I'd be up, well upset if it happened near me. No, no, it's lovely. Uh, well, are you, are you a, a, a campanologist yourself, or will you just be enjoying it? No, I'm a campanologist. I'm a bell ringer. Oh, you see. Can I ask you a question, David? You, these are the big bells in the church with the, the bits of rope. Yeah. If you held on to that, do you get pulled up into the belfry? No. Oh, that's just a myth from children's television, is it? Yes. David... But why, why is St George so important to you? He was Turkish, was he? It wasn't he? he didn't even come to this country. Turkish, yeah. But so why, why are you celebrating a, a, a dead Turk? Well, English way of doing things, so we want to be part of, of it. Oh, of course. I love the sound of church bells. And you put forward a very strong argument for the celebration of St George's Day, David. So thank you very much for that. We, we are celebrating a dead Turk. Possibly Palestinian. There is some debate over that. Uh, why does it mean so much to you? It's odd, isn't it? It, it, it is odd. I, I don't... How do I say this without getting the abuse that I've had when I've said this before? I can't, so I'll just say it. I do find patriotism an odd thing. It's a quirk of fate, isn't it, that we're all born in England? And it's, hey, listen, whoa, not knocking it. England's great. I'd much rather live here than, than Iran or, um, or, I don't know, the Lebanon or, or France. For so, uh, but, but it's a quirk of fate. It, it, it's just that our parents happen to have a fumble in England that we're born here. I don't get the patriotism. I like England. I like Britain. I think it's much better than so many other countries in the world. Not as good as some of the other countries in the world. But to to go around waving a flag, celebrating St George... um, There's this treason that I'm saying. A couple of weeks ago we had um, a caller suggested I should be hung. It's hanged for treason. I hope I don't get any more death threats today. I can't, don't, 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 one death threat a month is all I can handle these days. I'm getting old. 08459 four double five five double five. St George's Day. What does it mean to you? Is it important? Is it significant in the slightest? Or do you just kind of scratch your head and think, really? Loads of men smoking pipes, watching um, Morris dancers and drinking real ale. I can't think of anything worse. 
Now, two separate terror plots not being linked are dominating international headlines this morning. In Canada, police say they've stopped a plan backed by Al-Qaeda to derail a passenger train near Toronto. Meanwhile, in the US, officials say the man suspected of the Boston Marathon bombings managed to speak during a first court appearance in his hospital room. Our James, uh, our reporter, sorry, James Alexander, has the latest on these developing stories. Morning, James. Now, details of this terror plot Morning, in Canada. They emerged late last night. I was listening to the radio in bed and about quarter past eight was when I first heard about it. What more do we know? Yeah, good to hear you were in bed nice and early. Yes. Canadian police saying they've stopped a plot to blow up a passenger train, possibly travelling between Toronto and New York. The target may have been a bridge near Niagara Falls, but this hasn't been confirmed. The authorities said the plan was... uh, Still in its early stages, an attack wasn't imminent. Two men have been arrested and charged after eight months' surveillance. Here's the Assistant Commissioner of Police, James Malizia. The RCMP is alleging that Shaheb Esagayer and Raid Jasser were conspiring to carry out an Al-Qaeda-supported attack against a VIA passenger train. Had this plot been carried out, it would have resulted in innocent people being killed or seriously injured. Now, the two men aren't Canadian citizens, but the authorities haven't said yet where they were from. They're due to appear in court later today, so, Ian, we should get more details then. Now, uh, uh, this terror plot in uh, in Canada, it seems interesting that the apparent involvement of al-Qaeda extremists in Iran, because I thought Iran was at loggerheads with the al-Qaeda. Yeah, it is surprising this because Iran is a Shiite Muslim country, Al-Qaeda is a fiercely Sunni Muslim group. These two have not always got along, not seen eye to eye, and this will now raise questions about whether Iran is sheltering Al-Qaeda extremists. Though the Canadians keen to stress they don't believe the plot was directed or sponsored by Iran, Canadian police have also ruled out any link with the Boston bombings. Now, uh, talking about the Boston bombings that's been dominating the news, uh, I understand that the surviving suspect has appeared in court, but the, the court came to his hospital room. Yeah, unusual this. The charges put to Jakar Sanayev as he lay in his hospital bed. Um, even though he was in hospital, this described as his first court appearance. A magistrate was there. The charges put to him were these. Use of a weapon of mass destruction and malicious destruction of property resulting in death. If convicted, he could face life in prison or even the death penalty. Despite that uh, gunshot wound to his throat, the suspect managed to speak once. He said no when asked if he could afford a lawyer. He apparently understood what was going on. He's said to be in a serious but stable condition. His next court appearance is at the end of May. Anything more being said about his possible motivation? No, it's interesting. We've got this lengthy criminal complaint filed against him. Lots of detail, the timeline, the suggestion being the brothers acted alone, but no mention of their possible reasons for attacking the Boston Marathon. But it is being reported in the US. Officials there do now believe the men, known to be Muslims, were motivated by religion. Lots of coverage, lots of uh, commentary everywhere on the news, in the papers, on on, on Twitter and Facebook. His mum thinks he's innocent. Can he really get a fair trial? Yeah, you know, his mum thinks he's innocent, but it seems just about nobody else does. It's hugely prejudicial. A lot of this commentary wouldn't be allowed in Britain. Um, 
The American authorities are keen to make sure that he does get a fair trial. Some Republican lawmakers in the states have called for him to be treated as an enemy combatant and tried in a military tribunal. But the White House says as an American citizen, he will be tried in a civilian court with a civilian jury and he will have the usual presumption that he's innocent till proven guilty. James, thank you very much indeed. That's our reporter James Alexander on two, uh, well, stories that just uh, keep on going. Should we have a quick look at the front pages <coughs> of the newspaper? We've not got long, so let's rush through these. Uh, hospital hotels for 30,000 elderly patients. Eld- this is the Telegraph. Elderly patients will be sent to hospital hotels to recover from illnesses or falls under plans to ease the so-called bed blocking on NHS wards. New mums and stroke patients could also use such services, which will be run by hotel chains. Well, that sounds all right, doesn't it? That sounds fantastic. Uh, we will scrap planned petrol duty increases, says Cameron. Uh, the Guardian... Death penalty threat for Boston bombing suspect. Um, uh, Defence put at risk by EU poll, Germany tells Cameron. The Independent. Murdoch, Rupert Murdoch's doing transcendental meditation. I can do that. I'm not going to tell you what my mantra is, it's a secret. But I did that, I can do a little bit of that. It's very. Is that a real picture of him sat in a, in a sort of cross-legged lotus position pose? Uh, Google boss. Who cares how much tax we pay? Calls for Eric Schmidt to lose job as government advisor after defence of avoidance strategy. Uh, and very quickly, the Daily Express blood pressure breakthrough. New operation replaces need for... Them. No, it doesn't. And Daily Mail banned slimming drug kills medical student. If you're a fan of Broadchurch, it finished last night, don't turn to page three of the Daily Mail. It'll tell you who did it. Didn't see... Was it any good, that? It got it got quite good reviews. Oh, I don't know. It got quite good reviews. Anyway, don't turn to page... If you've taped it, if you've got it on a video... Uh, video. On your Sky Plus, or your TiVo, or your U-View, don't turn to page three of the, the mail. It'll ruin it for you. Uh, and the sun... <laughs> champions, these guys are bonkers. There's a footballer um, eating a severed arm uh, in uh, tribute to Suarez biting that gentleman the other day. That's the front page of Britain's biggest-selling newspaper. Right, travel news now. Here's Alan Cowie. Cass, get ready, we're coming to the news soon. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, just short delays on the M1 southbound between Junction 11, Dunstable and Junction 9 That's at Redbourne. It's going to take about 10 to 15 minutes or so. The M25 anti-clockwise is slow from Junction 27, the M11 round to Junction 25, the A10. And also anti-clockwise from 18, Chorleywood, round to 15, which is the M4 average speed, about 20 miles per hour. And the A1 southbound uh, short delays from Eaton Soken towards the Black Cat roundabout in Roxton. Alan Cowie, BBC Three Counties Radio. Alan, thank you very much indeed. Right, coming up in the last hour of the show, more on uh, this mum who's calling for Luton Borough Council to do more for her son who's got autism. Also, St George's Day. Does it mean anything to you? We spoke to a bell ringer earlier on who put up a strong defence for celebrating St George's Day. Even though St George was Turkish, possibly Palestinian, and never came to England. We'll discuss that more after the news. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio.
Good morning, it's 8 o'clock. I'm Catherine Boyle. The headlines, autism charity calls for more care in Bedfordshire, Boston suspect on WMD charge and a thousand people caught out at Bedfordshire bus lane. BBC Three Counties Radio. The chair of Autism Bedfordshire is accusing Luton Borough Council of failing to provide adequate services for young people. Lainey Miller fears she'll have to send her teenage son to a care home in Norfolk as facilities in Bedfordshire are either unsuitable or unavailable. A lot of those are full. Right. And some of those, Tony, is not compatible. Um, when you're looking at a residential setting, you have to look at the people that are already living there or, you know, the dynamics of the group. And if he's not compatible, uh, then he can't go in. The surviving suspect in the Boston bombings has been charged with possessing a weapon of mass destruction. If convicted, Zokhar Tsarnaev could receive the death penalty. Two men have been charged in Canada with planning a major terrorist attack on a train. The suspects were arrested in Montreal and Toronto on Monday. Police say the men weren't Canadian citizens and had been supported by al-Qaeda in Iran. James Malizia from the Royal Canadian Mounted Police said the threat hadn't been imminent. I want to reassure our citizens that while the RCMP believed the accused had the capacity and intent to carry out these criminal acts, there was no imminent threat to the general public rail employees, train passengers, or infrastructure. Back home, a woman's been robbed at knife point by three teenagers in Houghton Regis. Police are appealing for witnesses to the incident, which happened on Friday afternoon in the alleyway between Hillbrook Crescent and Edywick Avenue. All three offenders were white and in their late teens. One had a scar on his cheek and spoke with an Irish accent. A St Albans woman claims she's been forced to barricade her family into one room as her home is overrun by rats. Laura Jane Silverman is urging the District Council to do more to help after their first attempt at exterminating the pests failed. The signs are in plain sight. It's been pointed out in local and national press and we've even sent our reporter down there in a fluorescent jacket. But still, people keep driving in the bus lane at Wixom's. Almost a 1,000 motorists have been fined up to £60 each after being caught since the council installed an enforcement camera six weeks ago. Charles Royden is the Cabinet Member for Transport and Highways at Bedford Borough Council. He rubbished the suggestion it was just a revenue-raising exercise. Oh, no, no, absolutely. No, that's absolutely not. And we've got to nail that one because, um, I mean, for, for a start, just administering these fines is costly for us but installing the equipment is huge we won't have made any profit on this site if you want to look at it in profit and any uh, any money that does eventually accrue will be just reinvested in other road safety measures in sports sir alex ferguson held his unbelievable and phenomenal striker robin van persie after the dutchman's hat-trick helped wrap up the premier league title van persie scored all the goals in the 3-0 win over aston villa at old trafford which sealed a 20th league title for united and a 13th for ferguson himself the weather dry with sunny spells and a top temperature of 18 degrees celsius that's 64 Fahrenheit. There's more news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. BBC Three Counties Radio, first for news. I've said sorry. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. If you've only just tuned in, you won't have any idea what that um, borderline bullying from me was about. But trust me, it was justified. Three minutes past eight, Tuesday the 23rd of April. Apparently it's a nice day out. I can't wait. Lots coming up between now and nine o'clock. We've just had a very interesting phone call as well. More on that anon. But some of the things we've got coming up include a Bedfordshire mum is angry that her son, who has autism, will have to receive care two hours away from home because she says there's nowhere in Luton for him to go. Well, we've heard her story and we're going to speak to her MP to find out whether anything can be done to help. 
you remember we told you that almost 300 people had been fined for driving through a bus lane in Bedfordshire that's only 33 foot long? That was a month ago. And since then, loads more people have driven through it. Literally hundreds. Do you think they're just stupid? Or is the council using it as a cash cow? And we'll hear why a rat problem has got so bad for one St Albans family that they barricade themselves in their bedroom. Lots of ways to get in touch. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can see pictures of bus lanes of rats on there. You can send me a text 81333. Start your text 3CR. Or you can give me a call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. A Bedfordshire autism charity says Luton Borough Council are not providing adequate services for children and young adults with autism. Chair of Autism Bedfordshire, Lainey Miller, says her 16-year-old son, Tony, who is on the severe end of the autistic spectrum, will have to live over two hours away because there isn't anywhere nearby that meets his needs. She says other families in the area are also suffering from the same problem and are having to home their children in places as far away as Devon and Norfolk. Well, I spoke to Lainey earlier on in the show. There are some residential centres in, uh, in Bedfordshire. Why mm. can't you go to those? A lot of those are full. Right. And some of those, Tony, is not compatible. Um, when you're looking at a residential setting, you have to look at the people that are already living there or, you know, the dynamics of the group. And if he's not compatible, then he can't go in. So where is the nearest place he could go then? Well, when it came to uh, looking at provision, I have looked at Northampton. I've looked at Lincolnshire, I've looked at Kent, I've looked at Southampton and I've looked at Norfolk because there's nowhere in Luton, Central Beds or Bedfordshire that could really cater for his needs. I'm going to ask a question, OK. Mm-hmm. Are you being too fussy? No, 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 no. What parents want in this town is that we do... Luton is a hotspot for autism and there's no denying that. Children's services are bursting with children that are autistic and not just autistic but Down syndrome, cerebral palsy. We have a really high ratio of disabled children and our two special schools in Luton clearly state that when they're having to build extra classrooms to cope. And what happens then is the two feeder schools, Lady Zia Werner and Richmond Hill, will feed in to Woodlands Mm. and Woodlands is really bursting at the seams with these young people. Well, that was earlier on in the show. Joined now by Labour MP for Luton North, Kelvin Hopkins, and also Julia Mooney from Luton, who's having similar issues with her 18-year-old son who has Down syndrome. Good morning to both of you. Morning. Good morning. Julia, explain the situation with your son. Um, My son has Down syndrome, and he has challenging behaviour, learning difficulties. Um, Pretty much uh, just worried about the future for him. Um, He's going into adult care. He's already been had some respite from Luton Council, but it wasn't local. Uh, They couldn't offer me local because they couldn't deal with my son. Um, And I'm worried that when he goes in to be an adult, he will be placed a long way away. How far away was the respite care? Um... It was probably about half an hour's drive, but when he's done a long day at school, he's having to do that. He's also not local, so on a long-term basis, that's not practical for me to be able to do the things I need to do, work, take care of my family, to happen to be going that distance, but the provider that that was there wasn't suitable for him. Um, I want him to be in his hometown. I want him to be where I can go and see him. Um, I do have the prospect of maybe putting him residential, and there isn't anywhere that's local. I don't want to be doing three-hour journey to go and see my son. I I need him to be nearby, and I don't think that's an unreasonable request. 
Would you uh, would you consider um, moving to be near your son, Julia? Is that an option? Well, I would move near, but how do I know that we could up move? I move my other children. I move to somewhere, and and then it doesn't work out. Why do I have to move? Why does my husband have to forego his job? Um, to move to somewhere that just caters for one person. We're a family. We should be able to, to live in our own hometown and do the things we need to. I'm not asking for masses. I just There is a, a lack of resources for him and lots and lots of other young people. There might be some people listening, Julia, who, who um, might think, well, um, if you have to move for your son, then that's what families do, don't they? What would you say to them? No, definitely, definitely. And if, if I could be guaranteed somewhere then and they could pay the money for me to move, then that's fine. I don't have the money to up and move. Why do I have to tell my husband he has to forego his job to move? The because, job it's your situation. Son. because it's your son. Yeah, you're right, it is my son. Um, but he, this is his hometown. And, and I'm not asking for any more than other parents. No, it, it's just there is lack of resources. Um, Kelvin, you say that the services for young adults um, with autism in particular in the town is completely inadequate. Well, I've raised these matters in previous parliaments, and it's not just autism, it's other forms of disability. Um, I I suggested that what ought to happen is local authorities ought to get together as consortiums and uh, consortia and provide uh, residential care for different special needs. Um, but this, of course, requires resources from central government. It, can't, it just can't be uh, left to the local authority, which is constantly under financial pressures. And I think there ought to be a national plan of centres of this kind so that everybody can have a, a residential care within reasonable distance of their home um, and so they can go and visit their children as, as they need to. How, how, how far, what distance is reasonable? Half an hour's journey? Well, I mean, I mean it depends how many numbers. I mean, if there are a requirement for, I don't know, 30, 40 youngsters in hearts, beds and bucks, you might have, uh, the most extreme, you know, one centre, say, in Luton Dunstable, which would cover hearts, beds and bucks. But uh, ideally, I mean, I would think... Uh, Half an hour drive would be would be would be my sort of maximum. So if we had one for the three unitary authorities in Bedfordshire, based I don't know in sort of Ampthill or something like that, I think that might be might might be acceptable to people. But uh, Kelvin, you know, you're, three you're, hours is unacceptable. You're the local MP. What are you doing about it? Well, I've raised these matters in Parliament in the past, uh, and it's not just as I said, not just autism. I've had youngsters with all sorts of behavioural difficulties um, in the past, and I've managed to get youngsters occasionally into into care homes by a lot of lobbying uh, in, in in previous years um, but but we need more resources and i think the resources ultimately have to come from central government it has to be a kind of national service like the national health service but with care with residential care within reasonable distance of everybody who needs it which means a pattern i think national pattern of of residential care for specifically um, autism but for other other uh, different sorts of care as well julia kelvin does uh, raise the point of of money that the, there isn't the money is there well there, are, there isn't the money you're right but there are money to be spent on other things i mean luton spent an awful lot of money on luton festival that people didn't go to it wasn't a success and no it wouldn't have built a residential home but i just seem to think that that seems to be for everybody where there's an awful lot of young people with disabilities there's a, all the schools are bursting these these children are going to become adults and there is a there is a severe lack of thought 
these these adults are going to be around for a very very long time. I'm I'm so frightened for my son because there is nothing there. There is the small pockets that the Luton Council are providing, but there, there's going to be far more young adults with severe learning difficulties and severe medical needs that I just don't think they're addressing. Julia, speak speak to Kelvin. Tell tell Kelvin what what you want and how he can help. Uh, Hello, Kelvin. Hello, Julia. Um, no, I, I mean, I, I do think it would be good if the Luton Council and, and Bedfordshire and even the government sat down and listened to what us parents are telling you. We don't want strings and bows and whistles and everything else. We just want somewhere that our young people are going to be looked after securely. And the care providers that do this day in, day out, the big organisations, Mencat Scope, the Autistic Beds, all these people need to be involved and, and say, this is what we need and we need people to lobby for us to say these people need help we're at breaking point as a family and i know so many families that are in the same situation i don't want to give up my son i don't want to send him away but at what stage when i'm being violently attacked where where does where do i go you know i want people to help us to lobby for us kelvin well, I I'm, I absolutely sympathise and understand that you've been Lady, Lady I know very well, and, and uh, we we've met before, and I have tried from time to time to help individuals, but I think we need um, a, a much better national provision for all the, this kind of care, and I think also one of the problems we now have is that I was opposed to it, but the idea of splitting provision for children and provision for adults at 18 so what happens you don't get continuity of of care because you go from one service to another at the age of 18 which i think is absolutely daft um you know there ought to be a continuous care for 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 youngsters right through to adulthood uh with with proper provision uh, accessible um residential care and indeed respite care for those who can stay some time at home all of that needs to be provided it has to be provided i think by extra funding from central government uh, and I, 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 I'm, I'm constantly critical of government whichever, of whichever party. Kevin, when are you next raising this in Parliament? Well, I, I mean, as of today, I, can, I, can, I will write, write again. What I'd like to do is perhaps meet, meet together with Lainey and, and Julia and, and we, can, we, can, we can work together on, on lobbying government because I think it's, it's central government that's got to deal with this. OK, Kevin, listen, we, we'll put you back uh, to our switchboard and uh, I'm sure they will put you in touch uh, with Lainey. You obviously know Julia as well. Thank you very much. That was Kelvin Hopkins, uh, the Labour MP for Luton North and the other voice you heard was Julia Mooney from Luton, who has an 18-year-old son who has Down syndrome. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. Right, let's get the travel news now. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Yeah, not too much to report, actually. Just a bit uh, heavy on the A1M southbound at uh, Stevenage Junctions 8 to 7 and the A1 southbound from Eaton Socon towards the Black Cat roundabout at Roxton, looking a bit slow. For the uh, M1, it's coping reasonably well. M25, uh, pretty much uh, normal, uh, nothing uh, major. Anticlockwise delays from Junction 20, Kings Langley, round to Junction 15. The M4 is patchy delays and clockwise slow from Junction 22, St Albans to 24 at uh, Potter's Bar, not helped by the roadworks of course which is uh, down to 50 between junctions 23 and 25 and on the trains we've got no major problems alan cowie bbc three counties radio thank you very much alan right it's 8 15 it's tuesday the 23rd of april i'm ian lee and these are your headlines on bbc three counties radio the chair of autism bedfordshire is accusing luton borough council of failing to provide adequate services for young people The surviving suspect in the Boston bombings has been charged with possessing a weapon of mass destruction. In sport, 
Manchester United are the champions of England for the 20th time after a 3-0 win over Aston Villa at Old Trafford wrapped up the title with four games to spare. The weather today for beds, hearts and bucks dry with sunny spells and a hot temperature of 18 degrees. Coming up before 8.30, we'll hear why a rat problem has got so bad for one St Albans family, they decided to barricade themselves in their bedroom. Oh, wait for... Come in, Jonathan, if you're going to pull silly faces through the glass. Yeah, you thought I wouldn't grass you up on the air, well, I did. <laughs> Pulling ridiculous faces. You a grown man, sort of. <laughs> in, um, in a lovely shade of green this morning. Anyway, that's the end of that. Bye. BBC Three Counties Radio. On Wednesday, it's the 25th anniversary of Luton Town's greatest day. Luton Town have won the Little Red Cup! And to mark the occasion, Nick Coffer is live from the Town Hall steps. You'll hear from penalty hero Andy Dibble. It was as if the gods were smiling on me and, and all of us that day. It was right in the bottom corner, but I managed to get there and it changed things, the pattern of the game and what happened. Two goal, Brian Steen. It was just delirium because obviously it's the first thing with major title Luton have ever won. An archive material from the day itself. Brian Steen has scored the goal from close range. Celebrating Luton's League Cup win Wednesday on BBC Three Counties Radio. Talking nudity. <laughs> we were talking nudity. I, for some we? reason, I just asked Jonathan if he'd ever driven naked, and the answer, surprisingly, was no. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I don't really like being naked. No, I'm one of those people. You know, I rush from the bathroom to put my leg in a pant. <laughs> I don't like being naked. I find it very unpleasant. Do you? As, uh, we were talking about Spielplatz, the um, pervert's paradise. No, sorry, the, uh, the nudity. No, it's not. It's very nice there. I've been there. I've, I did a, a little package there. Excuse me. <laughs> and it was for the radio. And it was, it was very nice. And the people there were, were very, very lovely. Very lovely. Very hospitable. A little bit too hospitable. But there's something... <laughs> I can't quite get the thing of... There were men sat in their bar, legs akimbo, oh. with their dingle-dangles... Yes. Oh. Flapping about. It was really, it really, and you, your eyes are drawn, you're trying to make eye contact with them, but of course you're going to, oh my God, what have I just seen? Yes. Not, so you, just, you don't need to see it, do you? Don't want to see it. I don't want to see mine, let alone someone else's. Plus, I think clothes are very nice. I mean. Not this, not today. Oh, now that's just no. beastly. That's rude, isn't it? I'm teasing. You don't like my outfit. It's, um, what was the cut, what was the shade of green that Robin Hood used to wear? I don't know. Well, that's that's what you're wearing. Racing green. This is British racing green. I think. Is it for St George's Day? For St George's Day, a bit yes. of British racing green. Look at that. Yes, lovely. Yes. Well, thanks very much. I feel like I'm sitting here with Gokwan. <laughs> no, if if I was Gokwan, you would be naked. And I'd be touching your boobs. Oh, <laughs> that's my he... bangers. <laughs> your knocks. <laughs> That's what he always calls it, doesn't he? Does he call them bangers? Yes. Oh, dear. What a very, very, very <laughs> naughty man he, he is. is. Anyway, you've not come in to, to discuss nudity and uh, the uh, career of Gokhwan. No, I haven't. I've come in to talk about my phone-in from nine this morning. Did you know today is actually it's quite an important day for one particular British individual? Her name is Lindsay Sandiford. Do you remember that uh, grandmother who's in Bali? She's oh. facing death by firing squad for having smuggled in 4.8 kilos of cocaine well the british uh, government has decided not to pay the six thousand pounds that she needs in order to launch her appeal and unless she appeals by the end of today 
That's it. On the 7th of May, she will face death by firing squad in Bali. Well, from Nine, I want to hear your views on this. Has the British government done the right thing in refusing to pay for Lindsay Sandiford's appeal? She has lost her appeal over the British government's refusal to fund her legal challenge about her against her death sentence. But is it right? Do you feel comfortable that, in effect, we in Britain and our government, that apparently, and as she says herself... Uh, the government won't assist despite pontificating that they are opposed to the death penalty. Is it quite right and correct that we are just mm. going to leave her now to die? We're not funding her appeal. She is now going to be taken out on the 7th of May and shot. And this is a British woman. Is that acceptable? Yes or no? From Nine, I really want to hear your views on this. I know when we spoke about this case back in January, mm. most people... No sympathy for a whatsoever. Very little sympathy, yeah. No sympathy whatsoever. They were saying, oh, yeah, just we should do this over here with, with drug smugglers. Kill them. Ooh, no. Well, do people still feel like this? Or as the clock is ticking, and literally she's got one day left, one day until the end of today to save her life. Six grand is nothing. It's nothing in in the in the not great the scheme in the great scheme not, of what no. the government spends. I know to a lot of people it is a, a, a lot, of course. But in the, what the government spends, £6,000 is nothing. It's, it's, it's odd that they've decided not to. Well, they had that power yep. to potentially uh, allow her to launch an appeal and save her life. They've decided not to do that. Is that right? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. We'll discuss that this morning from nine. What are you doing to celebrate St George's Day? I'm doing absolutely nothing. I'll hey. tell you why. Mm. It's a little bit common. As I was driving into work this morning, uh, the only sign I saw of st george's day was a lorry a yep. lorry mm. with a great big st george's flag all stuck to the front of it and i thought that's why we don't celebrate it because it looks ghastly i'm english i love being english do you know what i'll be doing i'll be going home this afternoon quietly on my own and having a cup of tea and a nice scone that's how we celebrate st george's well, just day. stay just stay there a second avril yeah jonathan vernon smith says you're common well, he knows that. Yes, of course he knows that. Are you as common as muck? Common as muck. Are you going to be celebrating today? Well, it is it is also Shakespeare's birthday, so if we don't want to celebrate St George's, we could at least celebrate Shakespeare's birthday. Celebrate Shakespeare's birthday, JVS. You're not going to uh, to wave a flag and paint your face and get drunk, are no, you, Everett? No, no, well, I might get drunk if I get the chance, but... Um, and I always paint my face, as you know, but I, I shall wear a red rose. I know the Labour Party have hijacked it, but I still think the red rose is a symbol of England. You knew you were talking to Coco the Clown, I presume. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Jonathan, you know me. Are you, is this an ex of yours or something? Well, I do, I do know Avril, yes, yeah, Avril from Harpenden. You had dealings with her? I've had dealings. my grandchildren. Sorry? It's, it's true. My grandchildren. It's true. <laughs> Avril, so Avril's about 110. Did you know this? <laughs> yeah, yes, I know. I'm not bad for my... Oh, actually, I'm going to celebrate. I'm going to a brewery in Kent. You're going to a brewery? Yeah. Oh, drinking real ale. I hope so, yes. Have you got any pictures of uh, JVS when he was at school with your grandchildren? No, no, oh, it wasn't nuts. important enough for no. the sake of <laughs> 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 Lovely to talk to you. Ta-ta. Bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. Thank you, Jonathan. 08459 555 Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Rats. 
Rats. What do you do if rats take over your home? Well, that's what happened to one family in St Albans. Laura Jane Silverman and her husband Alessio have had to barricade themselves and their two-year-old daughter Phoebe into their bedroom after rats overran their home. Well, so far, St Albans District Council have tried once to get rid of them but failed in their attempt. Well, our reporter Sophie Soleri has been down to visit the house. So when we first moved in, all of this was carpeted. It looked really nice, actually. It was all um, in quite good order. Um, but because the, the rats had gone underneath the floors, they'd basically just destroyed the fabric. There were holes everywhere, even in the brickwork. Um, and actually, having spoken to the council and got um, a report done, um, we found out that the rats had actually been there for up to 14 years. So you can imagine the damage that they'd done. One evening, my parents were babysitting and smoke started coming coming through the, um, one of the lights in the kitchen. They started going through all the wiring, so now there's no electricity in the, in the kitchen here, so we can't use lighting. And actually, the pest control guy that came over a few weeks ago said we were this far away from actually having a fire. So we've stopped using it. I mean, as you can see, and as you said, there's a whole load of work to be done, but we've been recommended not to do anything until we find the source of where they're coming from. We're all upstairs in the warm bedroom at the moment. We're stuck in that bedroom. It's the only place where we don't think they can get. Well, with us now is Vince Matthews, an environment uh, health practitioner at Hygiene Audit Systems Limited in St Albans. Morning, Vince. Morning, how Vince, are you? Yeah, I'm fine, thank you. I haven't got rats, which is, is good. What, what effect can rats have in the home? Um, really horrible effects, really. So, they, I mean, we all know that rats carry a lot of disease. Um, and, uh, you know, they're, they're associated with, with dirty water. They spend a lot of time around dirty water. So, you know, any of the organisms that you find in dirty water, so all your, you know, your E. coli, Cryptosporidium, Leptospira, um, you know, even Salmonella stuff that they, that they would carry around. Any disease that I can't pronounce, I know must be pretty serious and pretty nasty. <laughs> That's the rule. That's- that is the general rule of thumb, yeah. Um, I mean, you know, in serious cases, you've got things like, you know, sort of hantavirus and, and rat bite fever, but what's, really what's, serious. What's hantavirus and rat bite fever? Hantavirus, yeah. So that's, that's uh, you know, uh, again, a sort of, you know, water-based infection, but, um, you know, a bit like the leptospirosis. It, uh, in serious cases, it can lead to, you know, kind of renal failure and uh, oh, kidney dear. failure. So, uh, you know, but, you know... Without being too alarmist, that is that's a real worst case scenario. All of these different diseases are they quite easy to pick up? Because rats are incontinent, aren't they? So they just do their doo doos everywhere. Yeah, I mean there is a, they're perhaps not quite the same as mice. That's so not everywhere, right. if you like. They they, they they keep something, but you know, obviously, yeah, they, they they carry that those sort of diseases and infections in the urine, in their droppings, even in their saliva. Um, and it's really just about you know the pathway of how it gets from that urine dropping saliva into our bodies. Um, and actually that's quite easy to do you know if you think about if you've got cuts or abrasions or you know even if you're touching your eyes or you're preparing food on a surface where they've been or you know it's quite it'd be quite easy if there's a you know a large scale problem Laura uh, is pregnant and she's got a two-year-old daughter how dangerous can rats be to children um, well, again, it's that thing of the uh, the immune system and, and how and how vulnerable they are. I mean, I'd, I'd be really worried about uh, you know a young child and and a, and a pregnant woman because you you know they are their, their immune system is is not as effective as, as yours or, or mine. So you know it just makes them more susceptible to to picking up infections. And you know, kids spend a lot of time. Uh, you know, on on the floor, and, and their personal hygiene isn't always the best, is it? So, you know, it's it's, no. uh, and that 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 would be something that you've got to be really strict on. You know, if you know that there's a problem. 
and what can they do to this family to stop this all these diseases and all these germs and everything i mean there's only so many times you can detox the table isn't it and the work surface yeah, I mean, and that really is, um, it, it's got to be a, a stopgap measure, really, isn't it? The, the, the key bit is trying to look at, um, <clears throat> and, and this is where your pest control come in, really. It's where it's looking at proofing and, you know, stopping them from being there, stopping them from getting in the first place. So, I mean, I've, I've seen a couple of cases where, you know, people have got rid of the got rid of the rats or the mice and then, you know, because they've not solved the problem of how they get in, they just come back in. So you've got a, you know, recurring problem. So you've got to, you've got to obviously find the source and stop it and stop them from get, getting in. And then the next bit is looking at, well, you know, it would sound like there's probably a nest actually within the building. Um, and then it's how you, how you attack that nest. Oh, it's, like. it's flipping horrible. Vince, thank you very much indeed. Vince Matthews, Environment Health Practitioner at Hygiene Audit Systems Limited in St Albans. Well, we did invite St Albans and, uh, City and District Council onto the programme this morning. They declined. But Mike Lovelady, Head of Legal, Democratic and Regulatory Services, sent us this statement. He said, we are aware of the situation and we are working with our contractors to help deal with this issue. Our contractors have undertaken treatment at this property on several occasions and we have visited the property to try and establish the underlying cause of the re-infestation. 08459 455555 Let's get the travel news now. Here's Alan Cowie. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Yeah, all fairly typical on the roads this morning. Nothing uh, unusual. The A1 uh, southbound, just short delays from Eaton Socum towards the Black Cat roundabout in uh, Roxton. Heavy on the southbound A1M around uh, Stevenage. That's junctions 8 to 7. Uh, the M1 should be a clear run for you. And the M25, well, it's uh, heavy anti-clockwise in patches from junction 20 Kings Langley round to junction 15, the M4. That's towards Heathrow. Going the other way, clockwise slow from 22 St Albans to junction 24 Potter's Bar. That's uh, towards the roadway section. Alan Cowie, BBC Three Counties Radio. Alan, thank you very much indeed. Let's keep our fingers crossed that hopefully we can go to the newsroom and get the latest news and sport from Catherine Boyle. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning, it's 8.30. The headlines, the chair of Autism Bedfordshire is accusing Luton Borough Council of failing to provide adequate services for young people. The surviving suspect in the Boston bombings has been charged with possessing a weapon of mass destruction and police in Houghton Regis are appealing for witnesses after a woman was robbed at knife point by three teenagers on Friday. Beds, Hearts and Bucks Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Manchester United are champions of England for the 20th time. We've had the two minutes of added time. Referee Taylor's looked at his watch, a second glance, blows his whistle, and Manchester United, for the 20th time overall, are deserved champions of England. Congratulations to them. United beat Aston Villa 3-0 at Old Trafford to regain the title with four games to spare. Meanwhile, the Football Association have charged Liverpool striker Luis Suarez with violent conduct for the biting incident with Chelsea's Branislav Ivanovic. It wasn't seen by the match official, so has been retrospectively reviewed. The Uruguayan has until six o'clock tonight to respond to the charge and a decision on the length of his ban and fine will be made tomorrow. Suarez has expect- accepted a fine imposed by Liverpool for what they called unacceptable behaviour. Mark Clattenburg will 
referee Chelsea's game against Swansea at Stamford Bridge on Sunday. It'll be the first time he's refereed a Chelsea game since being cleared of using racist language towards player John Obi McKell. In League Two, Wickham Wanderers boss Gareth Ainsworth has spoken of his delight at signing a new two-year deal yesterday. Ainsworth has lifted the chairboys from the bottom to mid-table after becoming permanent manager this season and he says now he's ready to take the next step. I don't want it to be a flash in the pan. I don't want it to be the just the passion and desire and the whirlwind effect that I had. I want actually to be known as a, as a manager who's tactically aware, who can think about things, who can make a difference and, and when it comes to it, you know, get the point. And two local teams trying to make the Southern Premier playoffs are in action tonight. Hemel Hempstead, who are fourth, are at leaders Leamington and RZ in seventh are at Bedworth United. And that's your latest news and sport. More from me at nine o'clock. Call 08459 455 555. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Bus lanes, rats and St George's Day all coming up in the last 30 minutes of the show before JVS at nine o'clock. Justin Dealey has um, been by a bus lane all morning. He gets all the best gigs, doesn't he? We reported on it a month ago. Um, and since then, there's been nearly just under 700 people have gone through it. Big bucks for the uh, local council, although they say it's not a cash cow, that all the money they make, which won't be a lot because of the investments they have to do to get these things up and running, all the money will get invested back into road safety. Want to have a look at the bus lane? Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. And it's St George's Day today. Did you know? Do you care? JVS thinks it's very common. I, did, I wouldn't say it was common. I think that's a little unfair, but it, did, it means nothing to me. He was Turkish. Were you celebrating a dead Turk for, for goodness sakes? And rats. One family is an infestation of rats. 08459 455 555. Craig is from Aylesbury. Morning, Craig. Good morning, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm fine, thank you. You you have something to do with rats, is that right? Yeah, that's right. We run a pest control company, ERS, in Aylesbury, and um, and we we are finding more and more we're getting a um, huge amount of numbers now of, of rats inside domestic properties. Why the increase? Uh, a couple of things, I think. Um, local authorities have opted out of carrying out their own pest control in a lot of cases, so the, the normal baiting that they used to do of the drains and sewers, things like that, doesn't exist anymore. So the numbers are obviously up. We're, we, we cre- increasingly have um, a rise in um, rats infestations and numbers, according to BPCA and National Pest Con- um, Technicians Association. So those numbers are up. But also the fact that um, a lot of... Um, pest controllers now. We also have resistance as well. Too. Craig, wherever you're moving, stop moving, because we, we, we had you and now we're losing you a bit. Sorry, how's that? That's that better, case? yes, go on, Craig. Right, I was going to say, resistance also comes into it with some of the poisons, but another um, thing that we've just recently found is that some pest controllers, when they're, when they're paid to carry out works, will only carry out, I'm not saying this is all pest controllers, but will only carry out works on that property. Whereas what we really need to be doing is actually looking to see where the infestation is coming from. Um, we've recently had a block of flats that have been infested for a long, long time, and we got involved with it about uh, about two months ago, and we were able to get it under control quite quickly using various methods. But that had been going on for some time, purely and simply because um, not just the pest control company that was employed, but the, the, the company that was managing the actual properties didn't go outside their boundaries to find the actual the source mm. of the infestation. 
Oh, Craig, it's flipping horrible. I hate it. But thank you very much. Not you, not your call. I enjoyed your call thoroughly. You sound like a, a wonderfully nice chap. But um, oh, th- th- this whole talk of rats is making me very, very uncomfortable. Go to the Facebook page. You can have a look at this poor family in St Albans and uh, what they're having to put up with. Oh, I'm worried I'm going to get rats now. Now, bus lane, 33 foot long. It's uh, caught and fined hundreds of motorists since enforcement cameras were put up six weeks ago. It's on the Wixom's estate in Bedford. Well, nearly 300 people were fined in the first two weeks. In the last four weeks, a further 655 people have been fined, taking the total to almost 1,000. Well, I've been asking this morning if people driving down this bus lane, well, are they just idiots? Our idiot correspondent. I was careful how I would phrase that, Justin. I didn't want to upset you too much. Justin Dealey, you've been there and you've been speaking to passers-by, haven't you? Absolutely. Um, the fine is £60, Ian. It's £30 if paid within 21 days. I'm looking at the signs here. Clearly marked. Bus only on the road itself. Bus lane camera signs absolutely everywhere. Almost a 1,000 people fined in six weeks. We have been asking the question this morning, are these people just idiots if they are caught going through this bus lane? Well, I've been talking to people here on the Wixom's estate. I've been asking them that very question, and this is what they had to say. Well, Ian, you're a cyclist. You come down this road every single day. The people that are being caught are nearly a 1,000 now. Be honest, are they just idiots? Yeah. It's clearly obvious that it's a bus lane. And they clear access to turn around if they need to, if they still think they can go through. If they want to go through, then well, they're just idiots in there, I suppose. So you've got no sympathy for them whatsoever? No. I'll drive a car as well. If I see it was a bus lane, I'll turn around. So it's that obvious. In saying that, can you believe that, that nearly a 1,000 people have been fined? Bearing in mind it is so obvious, and I agree with you, can you understand why so many people are being caught? Not really, I just think they're trying to think it is a shortcut, but it's not, they're just getting fines, aren't they? And yeah, just idiots. Well, here's somebody out on a run this morning. We're standing right next to the bus lane here. The people that are being caught, nearly a thousand of them, yeah. are they just idiots? I mean, you have to be if you see the signs and you don't actually read them. Unless if you don't own a licence and you never went through the DVLA checks, yeah. then <laughs> so something must be wrong, honestly. So somebody but, who doesn't realise this is a bus lane is, in your opinion, not fit to be on the road then? Well, probably. But I think the council should do a bit more to put signs, especially at the roundabout, the point of entry, just to let people know that it is a bus lane, there's no through way. But how many and more signs do you need? We've got signs here saying bus lane cameras. It says yeah. bus only on the road. How many yeah. more signs do we need? Yeah. No, I mean, they've, they've done well putting the signs here because it wasn't there before. Mm. So I think, yeah, people must be idiots. <laughs> now, Justin, when we uh, did this story before, you were offering a public service. You were stopping people from driving down the bus lane. Have you, done, have you been that generous this morning? Oh, Justin, you're there. Sorry, I had the wrong fade. This hasn't got out there. When you think that we're covering this, the Daily Mail covered it, the local papers have been covering it. I mean, when I came here four weeks ago, almost 300 people have been caught. Since then, a further 655 people have been caught. Yes, Ian, I did stop in the road a few moments ago. Um, I spoke to a man who works for a breakdown company who, again, didn't see the signs. I stopped him, I saved him £60, and this is what happened. Ian, I've just saved you £60 by stepping out into the middle of the road. Um, um, I don't want to make you feel stupid, but does that not look like a bus lane to you? No, I, well, I'm, it's the first time I've come along the road, so... Mm-hmm. I mean, we have been talking to the council this morning, uh, and they're saying they're trying to get the message out there. It says bus only there, it says bus lane cameras. Looking back at that now, do you almost think, how did I miss it? Yeah, I do, yeah. yeah. Do you feel quite silly? Yeah. <laughs> well, as I've saved you £60, pounds, I can probably get away with it, can't I? Yeah, you mm-hmm. can.
So do you understand why other people have been caught if obviously you've missed it? You can understand why a thousand people have been caught in the last six weeks? Yes, yes I can, yeah. <laughs> oh, is everyone you've interviewed regarding this story called Ian? <laughs> Quite possibly, yeah. I mean, obviously two Ians this morning. I think it Ian before, but um, interestingly enough, Ian, um, the people I have been catching here um, have been uh, working for companies, the majority of them anyway, uh, working for, for breakdown companies. So they're obviously following their sat-nav, it's taken them down here, and they're just not looking where they're going. It's as simple as that. Justin, cracking stuff as always. Thank you very much indeed. Well, uh, Graham Combs from uh, the Conservative Councillor in Bedford joins me now. Good morning, Graham. Hey, good morning, Ian. Graham, you cover the Wixom's estate. What, what do you... T- What's your take on this uh, this bus lane? Well, I think I think the decision to put a bus lane in there in the first place was was flawed. I mean, as I understand bus lanes, they're they're, they're meant to be to allow traffic to get to allow buses to get through busy roads. Um, there, it really isn't a busy road down there. There's very very little traffic at all, and it doesn't look like a typical bus lane. But it's been a bus lane since two thousand and eight, hasn't it? Um, I'm not sure quite, quite the date that it's been a bus lane since. I understand that the original decision to put a bus, a bus gate, apparently, not a bus lane, the decision to put that in was taken in 1999 uh, when they realigned the old A6. Um, the council said that they consulted with residents, but of course there were no Wixom's residents in place in 1999, um, and now it is causing people uh, a lot of difficulty down there. Well, what difficulty is it causing? Well, uh, people are not expecting it to to be a a bus lane. Um, People are, you know, should be allowed to drive um, along uh, out of Whipsoms to get onto the to the main road. There's no congestion down there. There aren't that many buses going through. Whilst it is signposted, um, and they've recently put uh, signs up saying that there are cameras in place, it's not an obvious bus lane, and it is catching people out. And I I think you know, people people should look. And I'm I'm not in any way saying that, that uh, Graham, Graham, drive through the bus lane. But Graham, I'm looking at a photograph of it now. You, yep. you cannot say that is not an obvious bus lane. That is one of the most obvious bus lanes I've seen. Uh, no, I disagree completely. If you look at a bus lane, say a bus lane on the Amtil Road, uh, where it's quite clear that buses have priority, yeah. where there is congestion along the road, and buses you know, should quite rightly be given priority, that doesn't look like a typical bus lane. Graham, it's, a na- it's a narrow, let me describe, uh, a narrow gate. Let me describe the, 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 what I can see the, and that people have been seeing on, on Facebook all morning. It's, uh, the, road is, the road narrows. It's painted mm-hmm. that kind of, of red that implies a bus lane. There's a mm-hmm. huge sign painted on the floor that says bus only mm-hmm. from this picture i can see one big sign that says bus lane cameras i can see two blue signs either side with a picture of a bus and a bicycle on which means buses and bicycles only mm-hmm. you can't say that's not clear graham well it is now because in the, because in the last month or so the 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 signs saying the cameras have gone in well that's only, the cameras well, have only that, just well, gone fairly, in six weeks ago yeah that's fairly recent because people have been using that since they arrived at wixom's but um, even without I live that in, sign i live in clear. wixom's and uh, w- we did have this issue when I, when I first moved in I discussed it with local police, they said they weren't too bothered uh, about people using that, uh, driving through the bus lane at the time, it wasn't being enforced they were more concerned about speeding so people have got used to driving through that um, it's arguable as whether they, they, they should or they shouldn't, but I think you have to go back to the initial decision to put a bus lane in there, it serves no useful purpose, you have to ask what is the purpose of it, are buses being allowed to get through, you know, congested traffic, well there is no congested traffic is there a road safety issue no there's not because there's not much traffic going down there so regardless of the camera you have to ask yourself whether it is a bus lane or not was the decision to put a bus lane in there in the first place the right one i would say no there is there is no demonstrable
comfortable need to put a bus lane there. Have you received a ticket? No, I haven't. Okay. There's, there's most people disagreeing with you on Facebook. Michael, though, is saying, of course the driver should realise they shouldn't drive through the bus lane. However, the reason it's placed there is a bit contrived as far as I'm concerned. Whilst I normally support Charles Royden from the council, not sure I do in this matter. But, but Graham, I, again, I, listen, it's obviously a bus lane. It really is, and you can't, you can't deny it's not. And whether there was a camera there or not, to say people are used to driving through it, you, you, you have to, as I found out to my cost when I went on a speed awareness course last week, you have to follow the, the signs that are there. Uh, of course. Cameras or otherwise. Of course. Of course you have to follow the signs that are there. I'm not advocating that people should drive through it. it, it clearly, there is, a, there is a camera there. My, my case is that the decision to put a bus lane there is flawed. There is no demonstrable need. Charles Royden is scaremongering. I raised this issue with him in the council last month. He uh, sort of screamed back at me that it, there was a safety issue and that it was an accident. It would be, you know, on, on my head. I'm sorry, there is no safety issue there. There is no condition congestion issue. Um, I've actually written to the mayor and asked for him to, to you know, consider removing the bus lane for, because it, I just don't see the point of it. Graham, would you let us know when you get a reply from the mayor just to, to let us Certainly. know what he's saying? Certainly. I'm thank- more than happy to do thank that. Thank you very much. This is Graham Coombs, a Conservative councillor in Bedford, which uh, covers the Wixom's estate. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. A couple of things, I guess. If you know the area well, do you agree with Graham that there's actually there's no point in having that bus lane there? It doesn't serve a purpose. 08459 455 555. Have a look at the picture, though. Have a look at the picture. I, I think Graham was on the back foot when he was saying it was, it, it was hard to distinguish. It was a bus lane. It's pretty obvious it's a bus lane. It says it in huge letters. The road is painted a different colour. There are signs. Yes, the, uh, the, the, the bus lane camera sign was only put in the last six weeks. Well, the bus lane cameras were only there six weeks ago. So that would explain it. 08459. Four double five five double five is the telephone number. You can give me a call about that. Also, in the last 15 minutes of the show, St George's Day. When we put this out, I did think we'd get a few more calls. We've had, what, three? Three calls from people saying, oh, St George's Day, yes, please. I'm having some of that. Does it mean anything to you? Or do you agree with Jonathan Vernon-Smith? Actually, oh, it's dead common. It's truck drivers with uh, the St George's flag over their bumpers. Does it mean anything to you? Is it worth celebrating? Or is it just another day? 08459 455555. 845 now. Here's the travel with Alan Cowie. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, no significant problems have been uh, reported, but the A1 is heavy southbound from Eaton Soken towards Black Cat Roundabout at uh, Roxton. A1M, slow southbound at uh, Stevenage, junctions 8 to 7. Uh, should be clear for you on the M1, though. Can't see any major issues on the camera. And the M25, well, anti-clockwise, it's uh, delays in patches from junction 18, Chorleywood, around to junction 15 at the M4. Your average speed is about 20 miles per hour. And going the other way, clockwise, slow from 22 to St Albans to 24 Potters Bar that's into the roadworks section on the train so no major problems Alan Cowie BBC Three Counties Radio Thank you Alan Right it's 8.46 Tuesday the 23rd of April I'm Ian Lee these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio The Chair of Autism Bedfordshire is accusing Luton Borough Council of failing to provide adequate services for young people The surviving suspect in the Boston bombings has been charged with possessing a weapon of mass destruction 
In sport, Manchester United are the champions of England for the 20th time after a 3-0 win over Aston Villa at Old Trafford, wrapped up the title with four games to spare. Coming up, it's St George's Day. Woohoo! Yay! Who cares really? Did you know? Are you doing anything to celebrate? Well, JVS thinks it's dead common. What do you think? 08459 455 555. Let's get the latest weather now. Here's Kate Kinsella. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. A beautiful start to the day. Blue sky, sunshine, some cloud out there, but it's fairly high, so it's just making the sunshine a little hazier in places. The cloud will increase, though, as we head through the course of the day. It doesn't mean the sun's going to disappear. It won't. It should get some holes punched into the cloud, which means the sun will still shine. It's the temperature that's the interesting thing today. It's going to be really quite warm. 18 Celsius, the maximum expected, 64 degrees in Fahrenheit, especially inside towns and cities where it's a little bit more built up it will feel very warm indeed. Overnight tonight, dry, clear for some of the night but then the cloud increasing towards dawn tomorrow morning. Minimum temperature down to 9 Celsius so another mild night, that's 48 degrees in Fahrenheit but it leads to a cloudy start to Wednesday now this cloud could produce a little spot or two of light rain but barely noticeable, otherwise we'll get some bright and sunny spells again, it's going to feel warm maximum tomorrow just a touch warmer if you can believe it, 19 Celsius, 66 degrees in Fahrenheit. And that's your forecast. Thank you very much, Kate. You can listen to BBC Three Counties Radio in so many different ways. On FM. 95.5, 103.8 and 104.5. On AM. 630 and 1161. Online at bbc.co.uk three counties. And on digital radio. Retune your digital radio now and look out for BBC 3CR. Bringing local radio to you. BBC Three Counties Radio. That'll be us then. Hey, happy St George's Day! Uh, yeah, I forgot as well. L- literally two hours ago, my producer said, oh, it's St George's Day. What? Is it? Well, David Cameron has said he is equally proud to be English and British and that we should celebrate St George's Day. Research shows that nearly three quarters of the population want April the 23rd to be a made a public holiday. I've not spoken to any of these people. Have you? Are you one of them? 08459 455 555. Our reporter, Justin Dealey, has been out in Luton finding out if you know the importance of today. Wayne, it's the 23rd of April. Any ideas what today means? Today is St George's Day. It's also the birthday of William Shakespeare. Well, you certainly know your stuff. Also, his death day as well, unfortunately. He died on his birthday, poor chap. Are you bothered about St George's Day? I feel that we should actually... uh, celebrate it more than what we do. Uh, so yes, I am. We've seen a few flags up already, but um, do you think a lot of people will just forget about today and not even know what it is? Yes, I do, unfortunately. Does that make you feel quite sad? Yes, it does, as an Englishman. I was glad to see that we did celebrate on Saturday in the town square, um, albeit on the wrong day, but there you go. <laughs> well, here's Pam. Pam, it's the 23rd of April today. Why is today special? St George's Day. Fantastic. You know straight away, so you must be bothered then. Yeah, I don't think we celebrate St George's Day enough. Mm. So how will you be celebrating? Well, street party, maybe. Really? A street party? Yes. You know, St. Patrick's do do great things. Yeah. Anything for the kids. My granddaughter at the moment's at school. It's uh, non-uniform day and they're dressing up in the period of St. George. I mean, clearly so. you care about this because you oh, might be yeah. having a street party yeah. later on. The kids are celebrating. Yeah. Do you think more people should be celebrating? Because yes, I do. it is a special day, isn't it? Yes, I do. Um, I think with us, because we're such a diverse town as well, 
Um, we have lots of celebrations, then why not celebrate St George's? It's part of our history. So It was celebrated on Saturday, but as somebody just pointed out, that clearly was the wrong day. Well, it was, because it's Tuesday, yeah. so... And just lastly, you're proud to be English? I certainly am proud to be English. Certainly am. Madam, today is the 23rd of April. Why is today so significant? George's Day. And again, you know, everyone I'm talking to this morning oh, knows... We should celebrate it more than the Irish do. Their St Patrick's Day. Does that make you angry that we it don't? It does, because a lot of we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for our granddads, dads and all that. So your message would be to anybody listening to this today, go out and celebrate. It's once a year. We should do. Do you know a lot of people who haven't got a clue what today is all about? No. A lot of people don't know the date today, what it is. It's not advertised enough. So why do you know straight away? Is it something you keep in your diary? No, 23rd of April sticks in your mind. What's the, the thing that you're most proud about, about this country? It's the men who fought for us to be here today. And they're forgotten about. Well, they're remembered on uh, Remembrance Day. Bruno Peake is a pageant master who believes St George's Day should be a public holiday in this country. Joins me now. Good morning, Bruno. Good morning to you. Bruno, excuse my ignorance. What is a pageant master? Oh, I, I've spent the last 30 years recreating historical events. I, I mean, if for instance, I organised the Queen's Diamond Jubilee Beacons last year, where we had over 4,200 beacons lit across the UK and the Commonwealth to celebrate the Diamond Jubilee. Why do you think St George's Day should be a holiday? Well, because it's our, it's our day. 23rd of April is St George's Day, and it's about time our government you know, pulled its finger out and, and basically gave us a public holiday because people won't really celebrate St George's Day, uh, you know, if it wasn't a public holiday. I mean, a lot of people do celebrate it, but not on the day. They celebrate it on the nearest weekend, you know, which is crazy, really. But at the moment, because, you know, we don't have it as a public holiday, uh, people just have to celebrate it when they can. Why St George? So he wasn't even English, was he? He didn't even come here. Well, there's a lot of you know, dis- you know, a lot of people who think differently about it. It's just, it's just the fact that St George is our sort of patron saint. Uh, 23rd of April is St George's Day. It's it's a day for the English to celebrate, as as other people have said on your program. Um, St Patrick's Day is celebrated in, in a big way in uh, in Ireland, but also in America. You know where they have these big parades and everything, and it's about time. As I said, it's about time that our government woke up to the fact that you know, yes, we are British, but we're also English. Are you, you know, proud to be up with four countries? Are you proud to be English, Bruno? Absolutely, I am. What does it and, mean to you? Well, I can. <laughs> I nearly didn't get into America one day because I refused to uh, say I was British. I said, "No, I'm English. I was born in England." Oh, you know, so, it, you know, it is something that it's, it's bred into you, I think, and we are a proud country, and we do do lots of good things in England, and we should be proud of our heritage, and, you know, uh, St George's Day is part of our heritage. My, my colleague, um, JVS here, thinks that St, uh, St George's Day is, is common, with, with, with truck drivers flying the George's flag, and it's all a bit, bit messy and mucky. Uh, I wouldn't say, I mean, how, how on earth you can say it's common. I mean, you know, why pick on truck drivers? Truck drivers are no different to anybody else in our country, you know, and at least they're proud to celebrate the, the fact they're English and they, they fly their flag when they're going all over the continent. And, you know, you have other countries. You have in France Bastille Day. You have in America Independence Day. You know, so I just think sometimes, you know, our government has lost sight 
of the fact that, you know, we are English. Yes, we live in a multicultural country, but we are still English. What are you doing today, Bruno, to celebrate? I'm going out for a St George's Day dinner tonight uh, with a few friends because we decided that, you know, again, you know, we've got to do something ourselves because there's nobody organising it centrally across, the, uh, across England. Bruno, thank you very much indeed. Bruno Peake, pageant master, who uh, thinks St George's Day should be a public holiday in this country. Stuart in Barton, do you agree with Bruno it should be a public holiday? Yes, I do. I think uh, I always have done. Um, it's quite surprising. People say it's, uh, it's common to fly the English flag. Yes, I agree. It is common. You see it all over the world. When I was down in Sydney in the World Cup final, there were 50,000 of them. When you, this morning I was watching some golf on television and there were four uh, English flags uh, across the St. George's in the top ten in the world um, currently of uh, golfers. You see it when you go to, to Wembley, you see it, uh, uh, there's only one other flag which you see around the world more often in stadiums and at the Tour de France and any other sporting event and that's the, uh, the British flag, the, uh, the Union flag. So we tend to hide our, um, ourselves a little in, in this country. We don't fly the flag as often as, say, the French or the, or the Americans do in particular. Why is that, do you think, Stuart? It, it did get... The, the English flag, St George's flag, did get um, hijacked a bit, didn't it, by the extreme right? Well, of course it is. It's hijacked because it's so popular. I mean, you can say that about, about any flag. Anybody can pick up... A, you could be an American and wrap yourself in an American flag and... And, uh, and stand for, for some extreme left or right wing um, principle. But, but the, the St George's Cross was, was adopted by racists, wasn't it? That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, but we can't, the British, the English, can't stop that. You know, if somebody wants to adopt a flag and, uh, and, and say this is the flag of the BNP, well, that's, it should be illegal, of course, but you know, we're a free country. Stuart, we're going to do that I just want to squeeze in Tilly from Stockfold before we end. Good morning, Tilly. Good morning to you. Happy St George's Day. Happy St George's Day to you. Are you going to be celebrating today? I'm not because I'm a pensioner and I live on my own, but I always put my flags out. Do you? How often do you get your flags out? Except for this year. I could not buy a St George's flag anywhere this year. Are we ashamed of being English? What is the matter with people? I was brought up with St George's Day, and I always, in my own little way, I celebrate St George. Tilly, stay there. Ian is in Luton. Ian, where can Tilly find an English flag? She can find them on the on the web. Tilly, Tilly, are you uh, are you on the internet? Yes. Ian from Luton says you can find them online. Oh right. Okay. Ah, yes. I could. I got in touch with one company, but they can't deliver them till Friday. Oh, nuts. That's no good, is it, Ian? Is there anywhere... It's not all what it's claimed to be, believe you me. No. Ian, do you know anywhere in Stockfold that she could buy a St George's flag? Um, not off the top of my head, no. No. Mm. I've even spoken to children in Stockfold. Sorry? And out of four... Only two knew what St George's Day was. Can I say, Tilly and Ian, it it does seem to be, and we haven't got much time left, it does seem to be, it's been older people that have called in about St George's Day. Oh, thanks, mate. No, sorry. (laughs) Sorry, Ian. (laughs) Well, but do you know what I mean? We've not had youngsters calling in to celebrate it. Say something to you. Yes, you can. Where we get muddled up, and the children do today, we live in the British Isles. Yes. But... We were born in England and we're English. 
Thank you very much on that, on that bombshell. I think we'll end it. Ian, thank you very much for your help. Tilly as well, thanks for your call. Very passionate there. Here's the travel. Ed's Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Yeah, it's been pretty uh, uneventful uh, so far this morning, which is uh, pretty good, really. For the M25, it's patchy delays anti-clockwise from 18 Chorleywood round to 15 the M4. Nothing significant, though. Clockwise slow from 22 St Albans round to 24 Potters Barnets into the roadworks section. Other routes looking OK. Short delays on the A1 southbound from Eaton Soken towards the Black Cat roundabout in Roxton. And as for the trains, got a good service on all lines. Alan Cowie, BBC Three Counties Radio. Alan, thank you very much indeed. Well... We had passion at the end of the show, didn't we? Which doesn't happen very often. Tilly, more than uh, happy to celebrate St George's Day. But yet she can't find the flag to fly anywhere. Well, if there's anyone in Stockfold who can, uh, can help them, do get in touch. That's it. Thank you to everyone who took part. Don't forget, if you've got a story that you think we should be covering on the show, send me an email, ian, I-A-I-N, dot L-E-E, at bbc.co.uk. I'm back tomorrow at six. JVS is up next. Until tomorrow, ta-ta. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian. Good morning. Welcome to the JVS Show. I'm Jonathan Vernon-Smith. And on this morning's big phone-in, I'm asking, has the British government done the right thing in refusing to pay for Lindsay 